Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. Glenn believes that if you can change the way people start their day, it'll make a massive impact in their life. We've got some great speakers today, starting with Stephen Kuhn, who transforms leaders who are at crossroads and unleashes their purpose. Trevor Houston, Tim Story, Amanda Dahl, and so many more champions all at the breakfast table. So pull up a seat and let's join in on Breakfast with Champions. But we're also in the university. So we're in Forbes Business School MBA program as part of the curriculum, University of Colorado, University of, uh, well, I can't say it yet, but other universities as well are looking at it and or implementing it in for their summer or fall semester. So this is not theory, what I'm about to talk to you about. This is not some kind of cool concept that's on the outside. It's not some structured thing. It's not something you have to put a name to specifically besides your name. And that's what I wanna talk about today. I want to talk about your personal internal operating system. The whole concept came through explaining our book. And as you know, life is a journey of discovery, adaptation, and improvement. So the book is never a finished product. We have six more books coming out. Certainty is a key component in being successful, and even more important as a leader. Certainty comes through knowing all, knowing your true identity. It's not your title or position. It's who you are. So ask yourself right now, who are you really? And if you start explaining who you are as a position or a title or what you do, stop and start over again. So many of you may of, are probably saying right now, yeah, 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 I just want to earn more money. I just want to earn, I just want to earn enough or whatever, dude, you know. <laughs> but it's also to your detriment, unfortunately. And here's why. I just said it. People buy into our certainty. They then buy your service or your product. Sure, you can get clients and earn good money using classic outside systems. Yet when these outside systems are not aligned with your internal operating system, you will never reach the pinnacle of your possibility. And you can, you can typically see when someone reaches their, their, their pinnacle because they don't talk about themselves. They don't brag. They don't use their ego. They're not confident. They're certain. You've heard people say, oh, that, that guy's overconfident. That, guy's, that girl's underconfident. You ever heard anybody say they're over certain or under certain? I haven't. Some of you are probably also saying, dude, I'm already crushing it. And that's great. And many of you are. I know you are because I know you personally. But I'm also willing to bet that most of you that are crushing it are thinking, I can be better. I have more talent. I have more to give, more to add, teach, and learn. But if you're not thinking this or you feel resistance in any way to what I'm saying right now, I promise you, it has to do with you not being in total alignment with your operating system. And you're failing at the upgrade of that very system if you let emotions dictate whether you accept new info or not. You are then a slave to your mood, and we all know where that can get you, especially in relationships. <laughs> so what the heck am I talking about here anyway? Well, let me explain. The book we wrote, Unleash Your Humble Alpha, it was a very revealing book to me personally because it was the first book that I wrote about how, and it's, it's not my first book, but it was the first book about how my author and I, my co-author and I, Lane Ballone, operate in life, how we got ahead, how we are always on the cutting edge of innovation, regardless wherever we go, regardless where we go. We like to say it's a what to do book, not a how to do book, because we are describing how you can unleash your greatness inside of you to create undeniable certainty to own your presence in all aspects of life. You're seeing here, I'm using my own words. I'll come to that in a second. It sounds pretty good though, doesn't it? 
Sure, but we all have had issues with some readers wanting to know how one can operate as a humble alpha with all those, all the noise, the ads, the suggestions, the gurus, the screaming and yelling, the over confidence and influx of massive amounts of information every single day. An average of 3,000 ads hit your face every single day. It dawned on us once that Lane and my co-author and I articulated our operating standards once we articulated our operating standards, that we had a much easier time applying the outside to the inside. We knew immediately if someone or something would align. We also knew we could be more creative, productive, and innovative because we were operating on a system that we understood and articulated, polished ourselves, right? It's because there were no thoughts about, is this moral? Is this according to our principles? Is this according to our standards? We don't have to think about that because that's our operating system. That's how we operate. In other words, think of those aspects of your operating system, like a Windows or iOS operating system. You can upgrade, you can download, update, or add applications, right? You can do that on, on, on any one of your laptops or your, your PC. Well, the same thing goes in life, according to, to what I believe. Once you know your operating system through articulating your true identity and purpose, which is the first two sections of the book, it creates certainty. You can focus on applications and how to implement them afterwards. You can adapt each external application to your own personal operating system. And you must. Or does a Windows PC work on a Mac system? Of course not. When I say articulate, that means work it out, write it down, know it, live it, breathe it, smoke it, snort it, whatever you got to do, right? <laughs> it's who you really are. And then you never, and here it comes, you never have to change yourself, regardless how external influences try and dictate that you must change yourself. Don't take this lightly. Seriously, do the work, make it a priority. This is the foundation for the castle of your life that you're building. Let me give you a, just a, a banal example. I think, I think that's a German word, a crazy example. Okay, here we go. I took an in-person M&A course in London about two years ago. I had never done M&A before, but I was a turnaround business consultant, so I figured I had some of the knowledge. And thousands have taken this course. We're all in a group. There's an app. There's a whole works. 80% of the graduates do not acquire a company within the first six months to 12 months after taking the course. There's a reason for that. I closed my first deal on the second day of the course because I took the application I was learning and adapted it to my own personal operating system. I didn't change who I was or how I did what I did or said what I said. And then I started a free M&A accountability call every Wednesday. It's been going almost two years now. And I teach how to earn money, grow revenue, connect people and make more money and how to do it with little effort by not changing how you operate, who you are or your personality. It's about adapting the external, again, application to your foundational operating system. So people ask me all the time, how, could, how is it possible that you own equity in 22 companies and you've never paid for that? Well, there's a way to do that. I applied my principles, my core principles and my beliefs to systems that I learned on the outside, what I call applications, and I adapted them to what I already have as a foundation. So you wanna build upon your operating system. You don't wanna change your operating system until it's completely broken, which probably will, ne will never happen if you keep upgrading. I can tell you, as I sit here now speaking to you, once you get there, you can hear it in someone's voice if they know their operating system because they don't need quotes from famous people they don't need to drop names, use old strap lines or quotes. 
They speak their truth, and their truth is so certain that you simply hear it and have that immediate trust. Again, if you don't, it's because you, you're not aware of your operating system. You're not secure in who, and, and you're not secure in who, not what you are. You see what I'm saying? There's a difference between who you are and what you are. Who you are and what you do. This whole thing is about full life integration, being your true self in all aspects of life. Can you say you already do this? Most of you probably already said, yes, of course I do. So let me ask it in, 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 another, in another way. Do you act or feel different at work and at home? Do you speak differently at meetings than you do with friends? Do you preach certain morals but are honest enough to know when you don't follow them? That, that's one of the litmus tests we use with uh, the, the, the leaders we work with. If there was a employee as a fly on the wall in your living room with your family, would they recognize you? And vice versa, if your partner was a fly on the wall in the office, would they be proud of you? That's a tough question to ask. And, and myself coming from leaders of, uh, you know, positions of leadership in the past, when I was really young, I got thrown into it. I can say I wasn't that person. I was a different person. These days though, and for the last years, it's been much different, different and the success is almost uncanny because we're not even planning it, it's just happening. But life's not a game and it's certainly not a race. The only person you need to worry about competing with is yourself from yesterday. Anything else is a, is a distraction and may, if at all, provide short-term success. It may provide short-term success if you adopt somebody else else's operating system. Just imagine being calm, happy, not worried, and working much less than now. That's what knowing your operating system can do for you and much, much more. So here's what I'm asking you to do. Start by embracing what we call HIT. Honesty, integrity, and transparency. Honesty with yourself, why you do say and think like you do. Transparency is how you step into the world with that honesty, and it's your ongoing reputation, and the byproduct is integrity. Now, people say to me, well, how can you be honest all the time? And, you know, you can't show or you can't be transparent to your, to your competitors and show them your P&L and your books. And I'm not saying that. All right. So when you operate by hit, as we said before, you operate with no expectations unless they're verbalized and agreed upon. Otherwise, it's just a, a, a recipe for trouble. Being honest with yourself leads to one thing, and this is fantastic. Because you're honest with yourself always, you never have to worry about being honest with other people. Because as soon as you step outside of your moral standards of your core operating system, you're going to feel it and you're going to stop, you're going to reassess, and you're going to relaunch. You're going to do a reboot and say, I have to be honest why I'm doing, saying, or thinking like I am right now. And that includes being jealous, being resentful. That includes all of that. In business, it includes being jealous. It includes that unhealthy competition, ego, or overconfidence. Am I being overconfident right now? How do other people see me? What's the perception of other people? You know, when you get in an argument with somebody, the best thing to do is take it from their side. An even better thing to do is look at the both of you as a third party and see what's really going on. You might be shocked. <laughs> so once you embrace hit, right? Assess each engagement, statement, discussion, and interaction as to how you felt, acted, and spoke. Assess it. How did I act? Did I act as I am, or did I act to try to impress, to try to fit in, to try to make something fit, to leverage my position? 
Or was I completely honest? Was I open? Was I clear? Was I transparent? How did you feel when you were speaking to someone in that moment? And how did you act? Were you acting or were you being? This, there's a difference. I'm acting as if or I am being me. This might sound hokey to a lot of you, but I can tell you this. This just, just living by hit alone makes me hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. And all I do is connect people. Why? Because they come to me because they know that if I'm going to introduce them to somebody, that they can trust my standards. They can trust my core capabilities. They can trust who I am and what I say. And they also know that I stand behind the people that I introduce each other to. And one of the biggest problems that I get from every single person that I talk to, and I mean every single person I talk to, and I'm talking even, you know, up in there, hundred, hundred millionaires. How the heck do you make money from people that you know without looking like a shark? Well, you simply add value, solve their problems before you talk about any kind of deal or structure or anything like that. You listen and you hear. You take their problems, you go out and you engage in all of your network to find answers for these people. You come back and say, these are your three problems. Here are your three solutions. And they're going to be like, great, how do we do this? That's when you present the tit for tat, the payment or whatever it is that you want to do. Look for where your power lies, what you know, and detach from ego to do this. Look for where your power lies and what you know and detach from ego in order to do this, to look. No one cares if you're right. No one cares if you're right, believe me. And you shouldn't care either because it's about integrity. It isn't about being right or wrong. Sorry, my dog's barking. Once you get there, hang on to that and write it all down. Find the highlights that you can, that you can internalize. Set high standards for yourself along the way. Then once you reach that point, you begin enhancing all interactions with that power so that it becomes second nature and you can easily know which applications are applicable. You don't want to be like your phone where you have 500 apps on there and you're only actually using 20. Come on. I know you're laughing right now because everyone has 500 apps on their phone or, or on their laptop that they don't use. And maybe not five, 500, but a bunch. So how, how does that sound? So I want to break it down for you again. Embrace hit, honesty, integrity, and transparency. Assess each interaction and write it down. I hope you have a pen right now. Use that, that power to solidify your own operating system. Adapt the applications according to how you operate. Being like someone else is not the answer. Copying other systems can only get you so far. Know your operating system, own it, and create certainty in all you do, and simply succeed regardless what you're doing. And that, my friends, that's a solid platform from which you will have zero doubt about dominating in your space. And when you dominate in your space, that creates something that I like to call quality of life. So that was a short one today. We've got 10 minutes left. I would like to take some questions, please. And please ask questions, not necessarily opinions. I know everyone has opinions and that's fantastic. What I want to do here is solve the issues and questions that come, came up during the past few minutes. So we have immediate impact in your life. So if you have a question about what we just said and how to do what, please flash your mic so we can move on and get that done. So who's up? If I can't see your mic, just go ahead and speak up.
right. I guess I, uh, <laughs> I guess I, no questions. Did I answer all the questions or did I not, not ask any questions? Hi, Stephen. Yeah. This is uh, Dr. Janie. Dr. Janie. phenomenal segments. You always just bring us to our knees in self-reflection. You know, that hit of just looking at how are we, you know, we kind of do that self audit in all areas of our life. And then when we're going out each and every day, you know, how do we show up in this world? And then also calling us to really think about how we speak, the words that we use and how we impact others. I mean, just a phenomenal segment and so appreciative of you. And um, as you know, I've read the Unleash the Humble Alpha and just um, believe in everything that you stand for. So just want to show you appreciation and just call us all to continue that self audit as we walk um, in our each and all of our lives. Thank you so much, Stephen. This is Dr. Janie. Thank you, Dr. Janie. And again, it was a pleasure being on your podcast. And if you haven't checked out Dr. Janie, you're not following her or her podcast, make it a ritual. It's some good, solid information. Thank you so much. Vernita, I saw you flashing your mic. Yes, Grand Rising, Grand Rising. Thank you for the segment, Stephen. Grand Rising, Breakfast with Champions. Well, Juicy told Stephen, I am really just listening and taking in today, and uh, which I think is, is equally important at times just to let it, let it sink in. So I, I'm going to be primarily listening today. I'll hand it back and look forward to checking in again. Bernita done speaking. Thank you, Vernita. I see my cousin Monica flashing there. Go for it. Stephen, I do have a question. And I'm curious how or what advice you would give people who are parents in <clears throat> raising their children to have the qualities of honesty, integrity, and transparency in relation to letting your children feel the consequences of their decisions. Yeah, it's true. Well, you know, what I like to say, first of all, is have adult conversations. You know, I have, you know, as you know, we have two children. You're, you're, I guess they're your cousins, second cousins. Um, <laughs> I don't know what the whole hierarchy is there, but yeah, second cousins. You know, you speak, you have, a, you have an adult conversation with them. You can't baby, babyfy it. You can't kidify it, right? You want to speak to them openly and honestly about it. And instead of saying no or stop it, you want to explain the situation to them and see how, if they can reflect on how it feels if someone else did this or did that or the other. There's a lot of ways to do that. I actually did a keynote on how to raise powerful, hum, humble children. And that's one of the books that we're being asked to write, how to raise children like this. But again, when your operating system is, your core operating system is hit, for instance, honesty, integrity, transparency, people are going to see that. They're going to feel it. They're going to they're gonna feel that vibration, that higher frequency. And they're automatically going to be drawn to that because the, the higher frequency always draws up if you're not, you know, as in, in, in the frequency world, if you're a human that knows their own operating system, then you're always going to allow, you're going to elevate others to come up to your frequency if they are below. And if someone's above you, you're going to increase your frequency to go up to them. So that all happens automatically when you know your operating system. And when you do that, people around you are going to see that and they're going to start ad adapting it. And we see it in the book. We see it in those that follow us. We see it in those that we have interactions with, that they're constantly increasing and elevating themselves their frequency in order to get to a certain point where they see for them that it's relevant. It doesn't necessarily mean they got to match us. And that's the whole point about it is that every single person on the planet or wherever they live, <laughs> could be anywhere, has their own operating system. And there's nothing that is 100% for everyone. So taking these applications that we give or taking the applications that you see in the world, whether it's a Tony Robbins course or whatever it is, and applying it to your operating system in your own way, that's where you win. That's where you win big. Why? 
because then it's yours. You own it. There's not much new out there anymore, right? There's not much new information out there anymore. It's all regurgitated, re you know, re repackaged or whatever. But when you make it your own, it's authentic. You didn't hear one strap line in, 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 in my speech. You never hear strap lines from me. We use our own words that come from our own internal operating system. And, it's, and when you do this, it, it's, it's almost like a, a force field around your children and your family that, that keep them there. Even my wife, who isn't into this at all, um, notices it. And I remember we were having a, a discussion and I created space with her, which is in our book as well. And she said, man, man, now I know what your clients feel like. And that, that's incredible. When you can actually um, tap into your operating system and put that turbo boost on to help the, the ones you love. So great question, Monica. All right, anybody else? Hey, David, it's Michael. Can you hear me? Yo, what's up, Michael? How you doing, brother? Hey, buddy. Good to, hear, right. good to hear you. Always good to hear your voice. So I have a question. It's so funny that you brought this up because um, I always am so inspired when you talk, but I was, I, on Wednesday afternoons, I play golf with um, two of my clients that are 80, um, who I helped them overcome prostate cancer. And yesterday, one of them was talking about, you know, you know, I'm, I'm still at my 80 years old. I, I, I'm trying to find this drive. I'm trying to find a way to live to be 100, to be better for my my grandkids, my great grandkids when you get to be that age. And he's and he just said, but I still find myself being this people pleaser at 80 some years old. How would you speak? How would Stephen Kuhn speak to that 80? I feel like I did a good job, but I'm always growing and listening and wanting to learn from somebody who has the impact that you have. So what would you say to the older community, like like people like my mom and my father and 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 people like that? Well, you know, I actually have a, a few uh, people like that that I've spoken to, like retired generals and things like that. And, you know, they, they like like you said, they almost um, are on their knees and saying like, man, I, I can't get past this. I can't I can't realize myself. And I like to ask the question, what's your juice in life, man? Like, what is it? What's that one thing that you absolutely love? What's the one thing that gets you up in the morning? The one thing that actually drives the juice in life, the way, you know, the way that that that, that you just say when you think of that, you just explode with with all kind of energy. That's the first thing I always I always try to ask because it pulls them out of the logic, right? You want to put them into the emotional. The emotional is where, you know, that true depth depth is. Logic will never be depth. So you want to get them to that logical side. And then one of my mentors, Charles Oyster, who was um, 94 when he died, uh, was a professional bodybuilder. Started at the age of 83, and he told me two things. He said, "Look, because he was training with me. I think he was like 92 when I was in the gym with him. I was probably 47 at the time." And he was like, he was holding his own. And I was like, man, how do you do this? It's ridiculous, you know? And he said two things. Always be in competition with yourself. You heard me say that in here. And set stretch goals. So what are the goals that you have for when he's 100? If he wants to live to 100 and he doesn't have goals that are past 100, well, then he's probably not even going to visualize <clears throat> or envision himself living past 100. If he doesn't know where he's going, he's certainly not going to get there. So I would, I would sort of go down that path, like, where do you actually want to be when you're 100? What's, what do you want to have, you know, what do you want to have happen? And have them plan it out. Talk, talk to them about it. And if I were you, like me, if that was me, Michael, I'd write that stuff down and I'd send it to him. Say, look, this is a picture you just painted for me. Jack came forward and increased its sales by over 136%. My name is Travis Flaherty. We have seen over 55% increase in sales. Jeremy Downing here. We finished our month off at not even a 20% increase, but a 30% increase. Hey guys, Jean-Paul Guidry here. Now I've experienced massive increases of 
156%, collectively 125%. My name is Kevin Strasnatter. We went an increase of 50%. 50%, we went from 50 units to 75 units. We had a 39% growth in volume. This stuff works! I'm Glenn Lundy, creator of the 800% Club. The results that we've been getting out of the 800% Club are ridiculous. Everything that you just heard all happened in the first 90 days. So I wanna open this up, helping more dealers across the country. We're now enrolling for 800% Club members. So look, the time is now. It's time for you to protect your legacy. Head on over to 800EliteAutomotiveClub.com to learn more. And get him into it, man. You know, get him into it. If you, I, 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 I think you're the kind of guy that would do something like that. No, I, no, I totally agree with you. I, I, I listened to your book when I was traveling for that two weeks that I told you, and literally, I implemented, and, and I, and I, and obviously used, you challenged people to use their own uh, frequency and their right words right. and stuff, and what, and I did this. I took your advice, and I did this with my mom when I was at home, and I told my mom to fight. I told my mom to find out, and she. Steven, she literally texted me every day since I've been gone saying that she's never had a better outlook on her life in the last oh. years than she does now. And she's Man. fighting. I feel good every day. I'm going to the gym every day. And my mom is 77 years old and she's fighting for life. She's enjoying life. She's back in church. She's going to the gym every single day. And I think, you know, just listening to you and, and, and praying and, and allowing God to use my voice, using it in a way that you showed me like, you said, you know, who are you? And I said, I am a humble, encouraging connector. And so oh. thank you for challenging me to do that. And I really appreciate you so much. This is Michael, complete. Michael, man, that, that, hey. that's, that's incredible. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead, Liza. Was that you, Liza? No, this is hey. support. It was, yep, I'll go after her. Okay, go ahead. I was gonna ask you, what are some tips that you can give about focusing your mindset on or just focusing your mindset well first of all you, you have to know what it is you want to focus on most people say okay i need to get an external let me read a book right or let me let me grab and grab a system from tony robbins i'm going to follow that the first thing to focus on your mindset or is to find out what it is right so what's your operating system that's what we were just talking about what's your operating system what are your core principles what are your beliefs what are the things that are non-negotiable for you either good or bad what are those things? Write them down, articulate it. Because I'm going to tell you this. When you articulate that who you are and what you're about, you have a core operating foundation of which you can build your castle. And when you have that foundation, you're snapping it out. Boom, boom, boom. Someone says something to you, you know immediately. Nope, doesn't align. See you later. Or yes, it aligns. Let's see where we can go with this. So building that foundation, do just just do the exercises I just I just wrote in there. You know, what, what, what we just talked about in there. Because that's really going to help you get to a point where you're like, Wow, I actually know what I'm all about. So you embrace hit, you assess each interaction and write it down. You use the power to solidify your own operating system, and then you adapt the applications on the outside according to how you operate. That's the that's the four steps. And honey, you're you're that sounded weird, but that's your name, honey. <laughs> honey, I think you're a fantastic person, and from hearing you speak and what you do, you're on the cusp. So shift down a gear, look at where you are. And what you are, what's your operating system, write it down, solidify that, and go out and crush it like I know you can. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. For sure. Liza. Steven, you actually just about answered my question. Um, I was reflecting on what Michael was sharing. And Michael, what 
wonderful example and stories you just shared for us this morning. Stephen, my question was going to be, I see people often struggling with what is that operating system? Like, how do they even take those first couple steps? Because there are tons of them out there, like you said. There, there's plenty right. of information to get us started. But you just answered it for me is making sure that when someone comes to us and we can see them struggling or if we're struggling ourselves to figure out how we adapt an operating system to us, right. it starts with what you just said, the core values. We got to find our foundation. But I really wanted you to explore that a little further with us. And you sure. just did for honey. So I greatly appreciate it. Do you have another tip or two? That yes, would be I awesome do. as we finish our. Thank you. I do. I do. Everything you need, every, every piece of knowledge that you need, every piece of wisdom that you seek is already within you. And when you have the certainty about that and you create that within yourself by moving forward, you will see that suddenly you don't need all the outside things. They're only enhancing who you already are. And I, I mean, I know people here saying like, well, I don't have an education. That doesn't mean anything. Education doesn't mean anything. Certainty means everything. Certainty in who you are. Certainty in that you will handle any situation that comes your way. Certainty that the good in things will always trump the bad in things. No pun intended. Right? So these are these are the kind of things that I, this is how I work. And Liza, you know, I have issues as well. Like it's like everybody else. And I have some big issues as well sometimes. But it never gets me down. It never takes me to the point where I'm worried. It never takes me to the point where I'm like, oh my God, what's going to happen now? You know why? Because I'm 100% certain that I can deal with every single situation because it's up to me to do it. I'm the only one that can do it for me. There's nobody else out there. So embrace your truth. And even if your truth is only very, very small right now because you're out there seeking and, and, and searching, build upon that. Find that, that one seed inside of you that you can count on 100% and you build upon that. And man, I'll tell you what, it's just rocking and rolling from there. It's incredible. And the growth that you're going to experience when you do that is phenomenal. It's, gonna, it's, gonna, it's just going to rock your world. All right. Man, I love this stuff. I go on forever. But I can't go on forever because it is 1300, sorry, 7 a.m. Eastern. <laughs> it's 1 p.m. my time here in Hungary. So thank you. Thank you, everyone, for having me. Thank you, uh, Scott and Glenn, always. Very, very gracious of you. Um, I hope that helped uh, as many people as possible. If you want to drop me a line, let me know uh, how it's going. And if you haven't picked up the book, pick it up, humbleoffabook.com. Get started on your two-word moniker to find out who you really are. Okay, everybody, have a fantastic one. Remember what we always say. Joy, you ready? It's all, it's all about, about the quality, quality of life. There we go. <laughs> Love that. Great Love that. Friend. So good morning, everyone. We're so glad that you're here. Welcome to Breakfast with Champions. You are definitely in the right place. So wanted for you guys to do a couple quick things. First of all, be sure to, can we just give first, Stephen, a huge, either a mic clap. You can also unmic and give him a yay, yay, as Trevor yay, yay. says. Yay, yay. Yay, yay. Yay, yay. All right. Love when Stephen Kuhn oh, gets on here and just drops bombs. So you're so amazing. And seriously, guys, I'm not just tooting your own horn, but that book has really been super transformative. We do a book club um, on Fridays. We'll be having one actually tomorrow if you'd like to join. Um, and we're always talking about the quality of life and what it looks like to be a humble alpha in business and in life. So be sure to tap in with Stephen. Um, actually, the link to his book is in my Instagram bio. It's been sitting there since we met in January, actually. So super big fan, Stephen. Great segment. Um, but want to make sure that you guys be sure to follow the club right over Stephen's head. You don't want to miss rooms like this. You're constantly being poured into. Um, everyone who's on this stage are really the biggest voices on this app. And you want to make sure that you tap in. So be sure to go ahead and follow the club. 
We're always opening great rooms. Um, be sure to follow the speakers and moderators here on the stage. Um, it's actually going to enhance your clubhouse experience. So um, be sure to tap in there and invite some friends in. Guys, I can guarantee you if you invite someone just like you would in your normal life, maybe you bring them to a conference, maybe you bring them to a party, they meet someone, they make a connection, and it can truly change their life. And that's exactly what this room has done for so many of us. So we're so glad that you're here. Find a friend. Look who's beside you, above you, below you, around you. You just never know who you're around. Um, that can really maybe be your new bestie or your soulmate. You just never know. So we are going to have the next hour. Liza and I, she is down in Florida. Um, it's been so fun watching all the pictures. I feel like I've been living vicariously through all of you. And of course, everyone who's gone to a conference in this past week has lost their voice, including Glenn. So I love how sometimes you can go meet new people, have a great time. Um, and you know, you left it all in the field when you come back with no voice. So good morning, Liza. Good morning, Joy. I'm so happy to be here with you all this morning. And I do have one more day down here in Florida at my parents' house. And I am grateful for this next hour with you. Well, it sounds like you guys have had an absolute blast. And I'm sure you'll give us a recap. It's so fun when people go yes, to yes, yes. conferences and they get poured into. And then before you know it, they're sharing that same knowledge with the people around them. So I'm really looking forward to the debrief for sure. What we wanted to talk about this morning, and we've got an amazing panel of moderators and speakers um, out of the conversation that Liza and I had a couple weeks ago, what were the topics that you guys wanted to hear more of? What was so painstakingly clear was this topic around mental health. Um, how can we find our peace in the midst of a pandemic and in truly embracing calm in the midst of the chaos that's around us? So I can guarantee you that we all experienced 2020 and 2021 in various ways. Maybe some people lost their jobs. Maybe some people gained weight. Maybe some people have been hiding from, you know, the, the mirror. Who knows? Um, but I can guarantee you we all have felt it. I think I've said over and over again that 2020 was the great equalizer. And regardless if you had the best year of your life in business, maybe you've been struggling with your mental health. Um, I can guarantee you that mental health does not discriminate. And at the end of the day, you can look around and just because you can't see it on the outside, you have smiling faces all around us that truly feel numb to the world. And I've been that person. I remember a time in my life, um, gosh, back 2015 was probably the lowest from a mental health perspective, but I was crushing it in business. I was like, dang, I'm in my mid twenties. I am making brain surgeon money in real estate without an MD at the end of my name. And from the outside, it looked like I had it all together. I had the car, I had the place, I had you know, the right outfit on, but I felt like, gosh, I don't wanna wake up and face my day. It feels too heavy, it feels too much. And on the outside, it's like, oh, your name is Joy. Everyone has these expectations of you that you just put on a face and keep it moving. Um, you're helping other people realize their dreams when at the end of the day, you're walking around feeling just the weight of the world on your shoulders and couldn't really explain it. So what I would love to do today is just have an open, honest conversation in a couple areas. One, what does maintaining your mental health look like in your business? Uh, maybe you're a business owner, maybe you're an entrepreneur. No one really tells you that entrepreneurship is a lonely road, right? 
sometimes you feel like, gosh, am I the only one who's dealing with these things? Am I the only one who's, um, you know, feeling isolated? And that's what 2020 made us all feel like, you know, where things grow in the dark, you know, mold grows in the dark, plants grow in the dark, um, we grow in the dark, or you realize that at the end of the day, we all have this need for being seen, feeling significant, and this idea of having some type of connection to something greater than us. And I think that's why so many of us love this app. We love this room because we feel so connected. It feels like family here. And before you know it, you could be making some incredible um, relationships and having conversations that just make you feel better, that make you feel more vibrant, that make you feel like, gosh, I can do hard things. And um, when it comes to this mental health conversation, it's so important to one, to be honest, to be honest with yourself when people say, hey, how are you doing? That you don't just give them and I'm fine. One of the things that I like to do with anybody in my world, I'm always asking the question of, how are you doing really? And I think when you don't give people the out of just giving you the I'm fine, so many things come up because you realize that people actually really do care how you're really doing. And I think that's a conversation that we could all be having with our friends of saying, how are you really doing? I really wanna know what's going on in your world. How can I support you? What are you working on? And how can I be your biggest cheerleader? And um, it makes all the difference. So. When it comes to the workplace, we're going to talk sports. Um, there's so many things in the news from the top down, the highest paid, uh, most visible athletes who are also dealing with um, mental health and reclaiming that for themselves, what that looks like in parenting, different coping styles. So we have Dr. Janie Lacey here on the stage, uh, Michael Huey, Coach Isaac, Dr. Sean Shapiro, and so many others. Um, so I'd really would love to open up this conversation um, Janie, are you here? I am here. Good morning, Yay, Joy. Good morning. I was so excited to have this conversation because one, it's a heavy topic, but at the end of the day, it is so vital. It is so important to not just check in with yourself, but to check in on your friends, to ask them how they're really doing. Um, so Janie, I'm very curious, um, coming from a psychotherapist, I love following you on Instagram and you're always just dropping so many nuggets of wisdom. But I'm just curious from your perspective, are there any tips um, from either sci like psycho psychological uh, ways that we can have a new perspective what can we be doing to safeguard our mental health in order to become much stronger in 2021? Okay. You were breaking up a little bit, Joy, but I think I got the gist of it. You know, first, you know, what I would say is that this doesn't have to be a heavy topic at all. <laughs> I mean, as we talked about mindset this morning and we talk about life management, each and every person that's hearing my voice, we all have mental health. And our mindset is a part of that mental health, right? Our emotions, how we feel, how we think. So each and every one of us has that, but it doesn't have to be a, a heavy topic. And this is why, because when we look at what we went through last year, we can only use the tools that were in our shed, right? So when we think about all the things that happened before COVID-19, if we were overworked, if we were overwhelmed, if we were busy, if we were not dealing with stuff, and I say God kind of gave us all a time out, 
And I'm talking about just normal life stuff. There are people that have gone through tragedy. There are people that have lost people last year. So I'm looking at the normal life stuff in the sense of everything now was brought to the surface. And by being brought to the surface, there is an opportunity for growth. And in that opportunity for growth, there's a lot of different things that we all have, no matter our income, no matter what's happening in our life, that we can reinvent our life. And part of that reinventing our life is, is being able to acquire adoptability. You know, we all went through it. We're all listening to my voice. So we are all alive. We're all breathing and we are still moving through things, right? So we were having a conversation with a bunch of us, our psychologists, and the CDC report that, you know, still people have anxiety and depression with this next phase that we're getting ready to go through and that we have been going through. People are taking off their mask, right? So, you know, when people are taking off their mask, there are some people are like, woohoo, I get to go back to concerts. I get to do all these other things. Some people are still probably going to stay isolated or what I like to call incubated in their house because it's causing more anxiety. Okay, what does this look like? You know, are people really vaccinated as they say they are by taking their masks, right? So it's causing a whole nother level of anxiety. And when we look at normal versus COVID normal, a lot of people that had symptoms, what we call acute symptoms of anxiety and depression, kind of went into full mode. And it doesn't have to be a heavy topic in this sense because now we know what we have to deal with. And when I look at reinventing our life, we now have an opportunity to put new tools in all of our sheds, right? Because each and every one of us, our future is going to hold grief. Our future is going to hold loss. Our future is going to hold some type of change. So the opportunity now is to reinvent. So I have 10 quick questions I'll throw out there, Joy, that are very simple, that everyone can start to reflect on today to really look at their life management and how they were managing their feelings. And part of that is getting to know yourself. When you've outsourced your self-esteem, you outsourced your happiness, when you've outsourced all these things about really what are inside of you, what we heard Stephen Kuhn so eloquently say this morning, we now can take our power back. And isn't that such a great thing? We can take our power back. So, you know, just amen. I'm going to go through them really quickly. So if you have a paper and pen, they're real quick. So the first thing is I want you to answer yourself right now, not thinking about the past, which kind of can bring up some depressive type feelings, or even thinking about the future that can bring up worry. Think about right now, what makes me happy? And just write down a few things. What makes me happy? Second question, what brings out my best, right? We all have had a life. We are living a life. What brings out the best? And then the third, which is one of my favorite topics, we won't get into it today. What toxic relationships need boundaries? What do I need to cut? What do I need to, I call it putting people from the front row seat of our life. We're now putting them to the balcony or sometimes we got to ask that bouncer just to remove them from the room, right? So what toxic relationships do we need to have boundaries with? And then fourth, what do I need to change most? What did I need to change most before the pandemic? Some people, busyness and overwhelm is also a trauma response. So what is it now that I have an opportunity to address? We're having conversations about mental health. We're having conversations about healthy coping mechanisms. And yesterday, I can't do anything about it. But I have tools, I have support, and I have education to do something different today. And then fifth, what do I love to talk about or learn? That's a clue into really self-care and really what you can move towards. If you kind of think about what lights me up, what do I talk about? What do I love to talk about? What do I love to learn about? If I go into each and every one of your homes, what are the books on your shelves? What are the articles that are pulled up on your computer? Those are some clues. Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. 
Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five. Five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. And then six, how can I grow into my potential in the season? We all had something that we were thinking about. It keeps coming back, back. Write those things down. Is it starting that new business? Is it writing that book? Is it starting that podcast? Is it reconnecting with a family member that you now realize that before the pandemic that you really wanted to connect with them and you let some stuff get in the way? And then seven, what would I do if I was free? Free of not worrying about bills, free of not worrying about what other people think. You know, last night I had um, interviewed Dominique Murphy and she talked about, you know, this nice quote about if I didn't have to worry and I knew that I would succeed, what would I do? Right. So really thinking about that. And then seven, what are my strengths? Each and every one of us, we all have strengths and you want to know them better than someone else. It's funny how sometimes other people can tell us about our strengths more than we know. You want to know more than they know. And then eight, where can I add value or make a difference? Right? It could be in conversations here on Clubhouse. It can be in your child's life that you're now present more than ever because they were home virtually schooled and now you're connected with them to really make a difference in their future. And then last, number 10, what matters most? These are our core values. You know, as we're talking about all these questions that are really bringing us to a deeper meaning of life this, uh, this week on Breakfast with Champions, I mean, it really matters because we live out our core values whether we know them or not. So if I put all of your lives on a white screen and I saw where you spent your money, where you watched your time, what are you doing when no one's looking, right? All of that stuff is going to be revealed. And, you know, I'll wrap up the, these 10 strategies, Joy, by saying this, is even if you've struggled, right, we have problems and we have patterns. Some people, their patterns have now come to surface. They now have an opportunity to deal with addictions. They now have an opportunity to deal with, you know what I realized through the pandemic last year? I really don't have a circle of friends. I really don't have people who I can call. I didn't really have people who were checking on me. Now it's an opportunity to get a, to get that adaptability. And that's what I would say. The number one thing that I would call everyone to do in this post-pandemic recovery is it's a chance to connect with others. We're either going to judge them or we're going to connect with them. And I would call everyone to connect with them. After all, that's why we're all in Clubhouse. So this is uh, Janie um, Joy. I wanted to kind of give those 10 tips and hopefully that will kick off our conversation this morning that mental health we all have it and it's an opportunity to grow and we can think our our future will thank us for all the things that we do today so this is dr jane turn it back over to joy hey joy this is steven Gosh, this is steven real quick yeah this go is for it. Real quick. um i just wanted to point out to everybody uh what you just heard from dr janey did you hear the certainty in everything that she said and doesn't that invoke a massive trust i mean she nailed it like no hesitation, no filler words, no uh, 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 straight on, straight out knowledge from the core. Awesome, Dr. Janie, awesome. Dr. Janie, what you said when you said post-pandemic recovery, and I think we look at those that word recovery, oh, I'm in recovery as a negative thing. And if anything, I mean, ask Liza, what do you do a recovery run? You recover, you rest, you stretch, you prepare yourself for what's next. And I can guarantee you this past year, we all have been stretched in ways that we probably couldn't have imagined, but I can guarantee you we've grown in other ways that we couldn't have scripted either. So I wrote down all 10 of those. I'm going to put them in my Instagram story or something, or if you guys wrote them out, 
be sure to tag Dr. Janie. Would love to see your guys' feedback because it is so important to take notes, especially when these are topics that we're all feeling, we're all experiencing. Everybody talks about their physical health. Oh, how's your heart? How's your, um, you know, all these different areas. And it's like, well, your mental health is just as important. And so I think taking hold of that finding new ways to look in the mirror and ask yourself these questions that you can revisit whenever you're feeling any type of way. Um, and that's going to help us all grow. I think Dominique just rolled into the room too, Janie. I think you might've manifested her unless you pinned yes. her in. Good morning, Dominique. <laughs> oh my gosh. Manifestation's a real thing. Good morning, beautiful people. Good morning. Good morning. We're talking mental health this morning, how we can um, definitely look at things in our life differently in this post-pandemic recovery, as Dr. Janie just said. So be sure to tap into the conversation. It's going to be a good one. I guarantee it. So I definitely wanted to talk to Dr. Janie. Thank you so much for those 10 tips. I wrote them all down. I'll be sure to share them out because they're so important. I wanted to talk to you with uh, Michael Huey because we talk a lot about our mental health but I don't think we realize how connected our nutrition is in that space. I can guarantee you that what we put into our bodies, it's like uh, what you put in comes out and um, how that really affects our uh, mental performance. So doctor, I would say doc, I, I'm claiming doctor. You can say that. Can I really that. am. I'm like, Dr. Huey, tell us more. So Michael, are there any, um, specific things that can aid in our mental health from a nutrition standpoint. What are your thoughts there? That's a good one. And I, I wrote down all of Janie's. Janie's just an excellent human. She's just been such a great friend. But I wanted to say that because I think that we take for granted. I spoke at a conference this last weekend and I spoke about how God honors how we take care of our body. And when you really look at, I've been doing this for three decades. When you look at how we start our day, starts off our mental focus our mental capacity, the things that we do, how we react to other people. And so for me, like one of the most important things that I do is my wife does the same thing is we get up and hydrate first thing in the morning and we go out and we ground. I'm actually upstairs right now looking out at this patch of grass that is out in front of me. And I go out and I ground. I drink 16 ounces of lemon water. Um, I take my probiotics. I take a nootropic that actually bypasses the blood brain barrier. I read and it's the consistency joy that makes me feel grounded and rooted and my, my mindset changes. And it's really funny. I, I've been reading some different books this week and I was reading um, a, a, an article in a book called psychology of success. And when I was thinking about how we gravitate our day and how we set our standards for that day, from a nutrition standpoint, it allows us to stay focused on what's important. And a lot of people just get up, they have no routine. And, and, when, and in this book, it, um, I'm also reading the book, rereading the book Boundaries again. And, and I thought about it, there's a section in there where it says, well, what if you didn't have any boundaries? Like, what would your day be like? And it would be chaotic. And for me, what I've learned to do, and I encourage everybody that's listening to do this, Joy, you do it. And we were laughing and texting about it this morning. We have some form of accountability when it comes to our health. And that accountability means somebody that when we're struggling, we can pick up the phone and we can call them. Like I'll coach, I'll text coach or I'll text, you know, I have a list of about four or five people that I can just text and I can encourage them and I can say, hey, 
you know, I'm struggling a little bit. Like, like my wife's just finished 75 hard. And she said to me, Hey, you want to do it again with me? And my, it's a no for me. <laughs> I was just, and I was actually like, and I actually, <laughs> it's so funny you said that. I, I, I thought about it because I did it for 90 days last year, but it's, it's, it's the thing that I, I can see me doing something very similar to it and maybe going in a little bit depth, but you also have to do what Steven said. You know, you have to find out what's best for you. What's best for everybody else may not be what's best for you, but when it guys look, I'll finish with this joy. It everybody. And I shared this at this conference this weekend and um, I saw some excited people and I saw some not so excited people when I was talking about how God honors, how he takes care of our body. Really mindset starts with the physical. Spiritual starts with the physical. If you don't start with the physical and the physical goes with your nutrition, your hydration, your preparation, not just getting up and it, it's, here's the reason why all of the fast food restaurants are lines are full at lunch and at dinner because people have not prepared themselves from a mindset that they're going to, like we have our food delivered to us because we don't want to just, you know, it takes up time to meal prep, which I'm not telling you not to meal prep. I'm saying it's great to meal prep and prepare if you can. But I found out that it's even cheaper in a way to plan out your foods and have your foods delivered. But even if you like to meal prep, be intentional about it. Make sure that it's consistent and that it's fitting your needs in the time frame that you want. And I think that that's what's most important because it gives you a mindset to start your day knowing that you have figured out when it comes to the physical and the nutrition part, which in my mindset will radically change your life. So I love it. I have my notebook out here. I'm ready to listen and take notes from everybody. And I wrote down all of Janie's top 10. So Joy, thanks for this topic for you and Liza. I just appreciate you guys so much. Absolutely. And thank you for being my accountability. 75 hard has kicked my rear end, but 15 more days. I remind myself daily that I'm on the downhill not the uphill and it's the people it's the people in my life that hold me accountable and it's also the people that are there when i'm not feeling at my best and are always there to shoulder tough conversations so i always appreciate you michael for being that for me so i could not thank you more coach are you here i'm here isaac good morning my man coach What's Everyone happening? loves Coach. Like, can we just like we can, we'll just we'll just say it. I love everybody. Like, right there. <laughs> I love everybody. I uh, know you do. So I've got a question for you. So as we've seen over, gosh, just the past week with um, Na Naomi Osaka coming out with the French Open, saying, "Hey, like I'm gonna withdraw. My mental health is more important to me than this game right now," and. What would you say from a strength and conditioning? You know, we, we strengthen, we condition our bodies. But I'm curious, as you work with your athletes, how do you help them strengthen their minds? Because I think, like Michael said, your mindset is everything. And our bodies really just take suit um, in following that. So how can we use strength and conditioning for our minds as we bounce back from this post-pandemic recovery? Um. I pour everything that is nutrient rich into the mind, um, especially with my athletes. So, you know, I've said this before, for example, Steven's book, Humble Alpha. I played that. I played that during our workouts 
over and over throughout the week until we finish the book, you know? And I used, I used those type of educational materials versus music. You know, I only give the guys one day a week to play whatever type of music they want. Every other time, it's motivation, it's educate, inspiration, like just like this room, you know, it's no coincidence. So I pour those type of things into the mind with my athletes and, you know, the ones that are not here in the country because 70% of our team is, is um, American citizens. So even those guys, I still encourage the same thing. When I send out my mass emails and all that stuff, I still encourage the same thing. So it's, it's you got to focus on what you need, right? A lot of music is... I don't want to say destructive, but it's destructive according to what you want, right? Like if I'm focusing on A, B, and C, and I'm listening to music that's talking about D, E, and F, I'm not, I'm not going in the right direction. You know what I mean? So I take that, I take that approach with my athletes and I focus on their mind. How can I affect these guys when they're done with the game, right? And now they're coming back to me with different books. Hey, can we listen to this this week? They come in to me with different YouTube motivational video. Hey, can we listen to this on Motivation Monday or whatever, right? So that's how I, that's really how I do it. Um, I pour the right things into their mind because that's a, that, that's a, a thing that I do for myself and it works for them. And that's what I saw when I was a player. I didn't have that aspect, right? I was destructing my body along with my mind because of what I was putting in on both ends. So now I do it the opposite way because I've learned. I hope that answered. That was perfect because I think, I mean, being an athlete, locker rooms can be destructive. Um, I have five brothers, you can't fool me. However, to be in a lock, I, I can't imagine what it would be like to be in, in your gym, in your locker room from a space of saying, hey, I've poured so much into you that is positive. You said nutrient rich. I'm giving you what you need, not because you know what you need. I know what you need because you walked in their shoes and that they're not just better athletes. They're just better people walking out into those streets in Canada being better. You're a great athlete, but you're also pouring into them from a nutrient rich mindset. And I think that is so important to be safeguarded, you know, insulated, as Janie said, of if we can insulate our minds with, with goodness, with positivity, with motivation, education, inspiration. That's why we all show up daily here. And I think it is just so vital. <laughs> Your vital signs from a medical standpoint, you're like, let me see what's really going on. And I think when we can put those things back into our minds, into our souls, into our spirits, that we walk away better. So thank you so much, Coach. Dr. Shapiro, I've got a question for you. So obviously you're a chiropractor. And, um, my chiropractor told me years ago that I have curves in all the wrong places and I was kind of offended, but I had to let it slide because he wasn't telling the truth. He wasn't, he didn't tell, uh, he didn't tell a lie. However, when you talk about being in alignment, there's so much about being in alignment, mind, body, spirit, but those things, when you're out of alignment, not just from chiropractic, but what does that look like if we can stay in alignment and how that benefits our mental health? What would you say to that? So alignment is something that I talk about all day from people's feet to their ears. Um, so, but their mind being in alignment with what they actually want. So we have a lot of people who come in 
and they say, well, uh, you know, I want to, I want to be pain free. I don't want to have to go through surgery. I don't want to do this, but then they say, then they do the opposite. So you give them their, their, their workout routine. You give them what it is that they need to do on their own to make what I'm going to do better. And you refer them to other people to make sure that that does happen. But a lot of times people say they want this, but they're not willing to give that. So being in alignment for me is actually, you know, I mean, it really goes back to almost everything we talk about self leadership. It's, uh, it's the ability to make the discernment that you are wrong and you're thinking on something is wrong because if you had, if you wanted the result or if you, if, if you had the result you wanted now, then you would be doing the things you need to be doing and, and you need to be doing something different. And most people won't come to terms with that until you actually wake them up and say, Hey, you can, you know, come here, pay as much money as you want. But if you don't get, take off the weight, if you don't exercise, if you don't drink more water, if you don't do all the things that Michael just said, uh, then you're not really in alignment with what it is that you want. And that's going to cause a lot of suffering for the person because they say they want this, but their body does that. And I'm not sure if I answered the question there, but that's what I had on alignment this morning. That was perfect. Cause I think when we're, when we say we want something and do the opposite, it's literally insanity. You ask for something and then you're like, I'm not going to do the work to be pain-free. I don't want to do the workout regimen. I don't want to take the vitamins. I don't want to um, keep my body in motion, but I still want the result of being pain-free. So when it comes to our mental health, if we're saying, hey, like, I want to feel clear. I want to be in a space where I can be genuinely happy. One of the things when I was walking down my road of anxiety and depression was I had flat affect. Janie can attest to that. That just means you feel nothingness. You don't feel high. You don't feel low. You feel like just flatlined. You couldn't make me cry. You couldn't make me angry. I was just flat. And I think what people think when they see or hear someone that says, hey, I'm struggling with anxiety. I'm struggling with depression. You just have this mental picture of being under the covers all day, uh, crying in your bed. And that's not the case. And I can guarantee you there's so many people probably on this call right now who feel nothingness. And what I want to say to each and every one of you under the sound of my voice is there are so many people who will come alongside you. There is such power in community. There is so much freedom. That was one of the things that Dr. Janie spoke about, like what makes you feel the most free? You have a tremendous opportunity to reinvent your dealership today, right now, and to not take advantage of it would mean that everything that you just went through and are going through was in vain. How about instead we build something new like Kevin did in Virginia who was up 37% in April, or Mike in Wyoming who was up 90% in April, or Bob in Kentucky who broke a 60-year record this past January. All of these dealers join the 800% Club and together we continue to win. Listen, I've done this before. I've helped build a monster dealership from the inside out and now I want to build one with you. You and your team deserve it. So look, the time is now. It's time for you to protect your legacy. Head on over to 800EliteAutomotiveClub.com to learn more. For me, it is talking about the things that matter. It's talking about the things that keep me up at night. It's having 
a community of people that I can count on. And I know for so many people who feel lonely, who have felt isolated, who feel unseen, unheard, and numb, to be in a space where they're just in a, in a, in a mindset of, I'm just craving community. I'm craving all of these things. And that is what this room exists for. So I can guarantee you, I can speak for myself that this room has given me a consistent, clear mental space because I'm in community. We're talking about things that matter and that keeps us all really honest. So I know Liza has a question and I'm loving this conversation because when you ask people, how are you doing and how are you doing really? That shows up in the boardroom, that shows up in your home, that shows up in your parenting, your relationships. Um, every aspect of life and when you can walk away with clarity and being accountable to the things that you say that you want and you're following through, that just creates confidence as well. So Liza, take it away. Joy, this is an incredible conversation and such an, oh, I would say always timely because this is not something that ever goes away. And I'll sh I want to share one thing and then I have a question for Dr. Janie. Um, this past week, uh, during our keynote on Tuesday, one of the things I shared was a, a story about losing a general manager in our company to suicide. And that was not, the, the point of my story was not mental health, but it was incredible. Over the next 24 hours at the conference, hundreds and hundreds of people came up to me to introduce themselves and basically share with me the struggles that they were going through. And I am not a mental health professional. And I did not have the answers. I could love, I could support. I gave out lots and lots of hugs. Thank goodness COVID has kind of passed and I was able to do that. Um, but it, it, was, it was overwhelming the number of people that came to share their story. So Dr. Janie, my question for you, I wrote down the 10 tips that you just gave us. And I'm thinking right now of a person in my life who I see struggling, I know is struggling. They have withdrawn from a lot of family and friends. Uh, they are probably joy in that moment where you just share where they're feeling nothing. And yet they're not in a room like this and they're not in a space where they are, I think, reaching out or asking questions. In fact, I think they're going the opposite direction. How do we take the questions, Dr. Janie, that you just posed of us, how do we get someone's attention that we care about and encourage them to get help when they're not asking for it and they don't seem to want it? How do we how do we start that conversation? How do we help? That's Mrs. a great Liza, question. I appreciate the input. It's a great question, Eliza. This is Dr. Janie for many reasons, because as I go through those 10 questions, not everyone can hear it. Not everyone can answer it and not everyone can relate to it. And what you've mentioned is exactly why. I mean, there are people who right now are not on this app because they're in the dark hole of depression. Right. And I'm not going to go into clinically what depression anxiety looks like because we'll take a, a long time to do that. But there are people who, you know, motivation, inspiration, listening to music is not going to get them out of that black hole. So the best thing that each and every one of us can do that if we know someone who is in that black hole is what I call it, is we have to embody and be present, be patient and not judge them. Because a lot of times people will say, well, what can I say or what can I do? Sometimes the best thing you can do is give them the presence of your presence. And that means that you're not judging them because shame takes on a whole nother form when people tell you, well, why don't you get out of the bed? Or why don't you go to a mental health counselor? Why don't you do this? All this why, why, why questions. What happens is they 
isolate even more. And in their mind, the worst isolation is psychological isolation. And what that means to everyone is that when you feel like no one gets it, no one understands it, you can't explain it, it's a dark place to be. And when we look at suicide in particular, that's the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. A lot of people don't realize that. And even if there was not an attempt, there are more people than we probably even realize that have passive thoughts. Well, what would it be like if I wasn't here? What would happen to my children? Those are passive thoughts. And there are probably more people at this breakfast table that had passive thoughts than even active thoughts. So, I mean, we all can relate to it on some point, but the best thing we can do is if we know someone who there's not going to be a message, there's not going to be um, a music, there's not going to be meditation, they're not going to want to deep breathe because they feel debilitated, is to be around them, love them through your actions, and be patient. That is the golden, the golden nugget for anyone that is struggling or has someone in their family that is struggling with mental illness. Because what happens is it makes you feel uncomfortable because you just want to take it away. You want to be able to see them do something different. And the best thing you can do is offer support and encourage gently resources. So if, if you want them to go and to see a professional, how about offer it? I'll bring you. I'll fund it. How about I'll go with you? I care about you so much, you know, and I know that we've all gone through so many things and I want to be there with you. And we go to right that type of conversation that's non-judgmental. It's collaborative. It's supportive because, you know, as Joy mentioned, some people also have that apathy. They have this numbness. And when they're going through this numbness or they're trying to push out the painful moments or the painful feelings, they're also not able to embrace the good stuff. So there's no motivational message. There's no nothing that's necessarily going to provoke that in them. And sometimes, especially from last year, what we've uncovered as psychologists is things that were untreated before have now exasperated. So they're now to the surface. They're now they're intense. What that means is it's intense. And some people are ashamed. You know, when you feel shame about, you know what, I feel like no one understands me. I feel like no matter what I do, I don't feel good, right? Sometimes when we have a lot of people, so when we go back to that question that Joy mentioned, asking people, how are you doing? Some people don't answer that. They'll just say, okay, because they've never had someone that really cared for them, that really loved them and didn't judge their answer. So the other thing I would suggest that every single person do today is when someone tells you their truth, do not try to change their reality. And what that will mean is that sometimes people say, you know what, just life sucks right now. Oh, you have so much to be grateful for. You have so much to, and then what, what's going to happen in their head? You know what? No one gets it. No one understands it. I might as well not even share with people how I feel. So if people are saying something that you would feel is negative, that they're not doing well, that, um, life is stressful is to not try to change their reality by sprinkling on the, the the sprinkles of positivity just you know tell me more about that is there something i can do to help you is there something i can do to take the burden off is there something i can help you pick up your kids right offer collaborative you know so the word would be collaboration support do not judge have patience and if you see something that you can kind of come up and come into their life and help them with we have uber eats you can send food to their house, right? We have Instacart, you can send groceries. So sometimes just doing something and not waiting for, especially if someone's in that deep 
hole of depression, not waiting for them to ask. Go ahead and offer. Go ahead and do something that you know. Send a cleaner to their house if they're if they're open to allowing someone to come into their house, right? There's so many things that you can do without trying to change the reality. So um, that will be a couple of things that I would share, uh, Liza, and this is uh, Dr. Janie. Hopefully that was helpful, and hopefully that will change how someone looks at someone's mental health today. Thank hey, you Liza. so much. Hey, Liza, this Thank is Mike. You. Can I comment yes. on what? On what she said. Please, yeah, I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, and 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 so Janie, thank you so much. I did this with my mom, um, my my wife and, and I. We we don't joke about it in a negative manner, but my whenever I my mom my wife encourages me to go spend like ten to twelve to fourteen days with my mom, and I just did that. And I want to encourage you to listen to what Dr. Janie said. And I got really emotional as you were saying it, but it's it's super important. Me as a coach, even. When people come to me, I, I want to dig into and meet them where they're at and just love them and encourage them because we always want to try to fix people, right? Like we want to, we want to, we want to just give them our opinion, right? And, 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 and God never did that. He, he, he loved people and he encouraged people and he asked them questions. And I think what Dr. Janie said about asking people questions, like I just asked my mom questions until the time was right till I could say to her, mom, you have to fight, you know? You have to fight. And my mom was on depression uh, medication and anxiety medication for 30 years. She's no longer on that. My mom had a traumatic brain injury a year ago. And in your 70s, when you do that, you usually don't get better. I just read my mom's scan a couple weeks ago. And the doctor said, I don't know how to explain this, but you're getting better. And I think, you know, I, I was just sharing this with Dr. Janie, is that, you know, God's given us, uh, we can have a God-centered mindset. And that breaks every single mold and overcomes every limitation that there is out there. And that, I mean, that you can just look at it through time. God's mindset propelled so many people, including Moses and Abraham and all these people. And it's propelled me to be a different person. It's propelled me to not have a people pleasing mindset or trying to fix people or trying to be the coach that, you know, is in their face. There's a time and a place for that. Like when I whispered in my mom's ear, and I said, you needed to fight. And she said, from God's lips to your ears, from your mouth to my ears. And so I think it's super important that you listen to what Dr. Janie said and other people like what Liza's questions. Liza asked questions to get the answers. And a lot of times when you're in the reverse mold, you want to ask other people, how does that make you feel? What are you feeling that's like Janie said, just continue to ask them questions. So thank you guys both for creating that space. Dr. Janie, I love you and appreciate all that you said. So thank you. I'm loving this conversation and thank you so much everyone who's shared. I'm going to quickly reset the room and then I want to make sure that we leave about 15 minutes for questions, comments, um, and keep the conversation going. So welcome to Breakfast with Champions. You are in the right space. Today we've been talking about profound questions and I thought it was so timely because the question that we posed at the beginning of this hour is, how are you doing? How are you doing really? And I think that is the most profound question that you can ask yourself and to other, pe other people around you in this conversation of mental health. So be sure to tap somebody into the room. We would love for them to be a part of this conversation, even just to listen, to take notes, to walk away better, being in a better place than we found them. And that's always the goal. Motivation, education, inspiration. We're here every single day, Monday through Friday, 5 a.m. to 11 a.m., Saturday for our amazing Saturday sales meeting. And then of course on Sunday with the amazing Darian and company for club 111. So we're going to keep the conversation going. Be sure to follow the club right over Mark's beautiful face. Um, you definitely don't want to miss conversations like this. So if you guys want to flash your mics, if you've got any questions, anything you want to add to the conversation, 
Um, I see Coach Isaac and Dominique. Um, and then I'm definitely going to open hand raising for a little bit so we can answer some questions from our friends at the other side of the breakfast table. So take it away, Coach. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Joy. And Dr. Janey, you said, did you say psychological uh, isolation? Is that the word? Yes, psychological isolation. Yeah, I experienced that. And I never, I never connected those dots till I heard you say that just now. Like I, and I'm speaking from a, from a, I don't know what you want to call it, a vulnerability area, right? For, for males, because I think a lot of males go through that, that psychological isolation because everything looks great in, in the public eye, right? But behind closed doors in private, you may be struggling. And I went through that and I didn't have anyone to, I didn't have anyone to help me, to be honest, you know? And, and besides God, but I was wavering big time, you know, so I turned to drugs and alcohol and all kind of stuff um, when I was in that psychological isolation and, and people would ask me, you know, hey, how you doing and blah, 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 and this and that. And, you know, in the public, they will be looking at me like, man, you're in a great place. Like you're working here, you're doing this, blah, blah, blah. Life must be great. And I'm like, yeah, when I'm in the building, right? until I started to realize, okay, I have a problem because I have bottles in my drawer and in my car, right? And I'm, and I'm driving around with a freaking gun in my glove compartment and bullets in my cup holder. I'm like, what am I doing, right? But it's the, it's the, public, it's the public success and then the private failure. And it's like, it was that psychological isolation because I couldn't, I couldn't open up to anyone because no one understood and everybody thought my life was gravy but no it wasn't it was gravy on top but a rotten biscuit under that gravy you know so like speaking to it doesn't matter who i'm speaking to male female but particularly males listen talk to somebody talk to someone because i got on the edge i got real close to i don't even want to speak it but i got real close to some stuff you know, and, and just in the position I was in, in the public, but the way I was operating in my life in the private, it was because of that psychological isolation. I didn't feel like I could talk to anyone and I, and, and I could talk to someone, but I had to, I had to be vulnerable and I had to quit being embarrassed about what I was, what I was going through and what I was doing, you know, so look around. And if you're the one talking to somebody, ask them how they're doing, but ask them and then be quiet and wait and let them really answer. Because there was a lot of times people would ask me how I was doing. And right when I was about to actually open up and tell them how I was doing, they went on to something else because it wasn't a, it wasn't an actual question. It was just one of those interaction questions in passing. Hey, how you doing? And then I'm keep walking, blah, blah, blah. But I was looking for someone to actually stop and listen to how I was doing, you know? So if you're one of those people who, walks by someone and asks, hey, how you doing? No, stop your feet and give, give the person your presence and your attention because there's a lot of people out there that can be smiling on the surface, but you don't know what's going on under that surface, you know? So I just wanted to say that and share my experience real quick because it, it, it's, listen, there's a lot of people struggling out there with psychological isolation. Dr. Janie, thank you for saying that word because it, that's the word I have been looking for to, to try to connect that dot, 
but there's a lot of people out there in in that in that state of mind that psychological isolation and um people you know we need each other we need each other and we need each other to be present it, it it's not going to cost you anything to stop your life for 30 seconds and let someone tell you how they're actually doing because you could save their life that's all i got Coach, thank, you are always so incredibly honest, and I know your words just impacted many people in here, so thank you for just peeing wide open with us always. 100%. Great job. Incredible. 100%. So, guys, we've opened the hand raisers. We have time, uh, about 12 minutes, for some questions. So I brought up three people, and if you would just quickly do uh, it, say your name and then ask your question so that we can get to as many as we possibly can but also give you the depth that you need to answer these important questions. So we're gonna start with Dr. Heather and then go to Jose and then to Megan, thanks. Hello, um, I'm Dr. Heather Neal or just Heather and I'm a clinical and forensic psychologist and former federal law enforcement officer with the Department of Justice, Federal Bureau of Prisons. I also work with survivors of torture seeking political asylum. Um, I assist with the affidavit process. Well, I'm affiliated with uh, Physicians for Human Rights, and we provide a, an array of services, but me specifically, um, I help to evaluate tor uh, torture and the imminent death upon their return to their country of origin um, that accompanies their application for asylum. I also with psychology students, psychologists, app developers, and I am currently consulting on a film that is being going into production in a couple of weeks, and I've got a couple other projects in the works. And I've also worked with survivors of sexual assault. Um, and my primary work has been in the prison system, uh, mainly state prisons, but also federal prison, and suicide, aggression, violence, uh, especially towards self and other are areas of my, I would say, expertise uh, and passion. And so I, I came up to chime in on Coach Isaac, and just to see if any additional, you know, just to kind of offer my thoughts. Um, I thought the way that everybody responded to him was fantastic. Dr. Janie and somebody else, I'm trying to follow me, apologize, but. Um, Michael. Yeah. Michael. Heather, we, we are so um, grateful. You, you obviously have a lot of experience in this area, I'm, I'm assuming. Um, I don't know if you have a question or if you want to be up here to help answer a question that somebody else might have. Yeah, I, I, I just wanted to kind of raise my hand to come up to possibly address anything that kind of came up with uh, Coach Isaac, but I'm more than happy to kind of remain up here if another question comes up. But um, I'm loving the conversation and I'm glad that I came across this room. I think the advice and feedback and support you're giving is fantastic. So um, thank you for inviting me to the stage. Hey champions, guess what? The Breakfast with Champions podcast airs live. live, live. 
every single day, 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. only on the Clubhouse app. So make sure to download Clubhouse and go check out Breakfast with Champions. You're not going to regret it. See you there. You're awesome. Thank you so much, Heather. I'm going to actually jump back over to Dominique because I missed that she was going after Coach Isaac, and then we will go back over to Jose. Dominique, we would absolutely love to hear your voice this morning. Hi, Liza. Good morning. Good morning, Joy. Good morning, family. I call everybody here family because I just love this group. Um, you know, simple question, and this this spins off of Coach Isaacs. And Joy, um, gosh, probably Dr. Janie would be best to answer this, but anybody, please chime in. So going off of what I heard Coach Isaac talk about, the psychological isolation, I was reading an article, gosh, it was in, it was a national publication a few weeks ago. I, the name passes me right now. But it said that suicide rates have quintupled in some cities due to the pandemic. Also, it went on to say that domestic abuse cases have also quintupled in some cities. The reason why is what you have pointed to. It's this psychological isolation, and it was heightened during this pandemic because people were dealing with insane levels of stresses that they've never had to deal with before for most people. So my question is, from a general standpoint, I know there's a lot of people in this audience potentially struggling with this, or maybe they know somebody who is. How do you come out of that? When you've been in isolation for what, 16 plus months, when you have been dealing with extreme levels of stress, anxiety, depression, how does one even begin to come out of this when it's been more than a year of being in this state of mind? Thank you. Dominique, great question. And so glad to have you at the breakfast table and so proud of Coach Isaac for just being vulnerable and sharing his own struggles so that it can inspire other people. You know, when we look at those suicidal rates and the domestic violence, domestic abuse, we have no doubt that that the numbers show it. You know, we work with several organizations, you know, not even not going to even bring in the conversation around the, the child abuse that's occurred last year. But when people are coming out of these situations, the first thing we have to do or they have to do is they have to realize that there is a problem. Right. Most people, when we look at before the pandemic, and I'm talking from a general standpoint, they were already living with so much stress, anxiety, depression, you know, and when we look at the psychological isolation, you know, we, we were part of a team called Pure Desires and we would go in and help pastors in particular that would be on the news that had um, a lot of different mental health challenges or affairs. And what happens is splitting. We call it splitting. So you either go into a good or bad category. You put yourself in a good or bad category. And when you feel really bad, then what happens is you go to what Isaac shared with us is non-relational relief. And non-relational relief would be the drinking. It would be the excessive pornography. It can be drugs. It can be um, lots of different things. So a lot of people have learned to cope with that. So they don't even realize there's a problem. And sometimes the things that were there before, right? So when people are in toxic relationships, there was already a certain level of high tolerance for abuse. I'm talking about adults. And then when it comes to the pandemic and now you're both home, stresses are high, and then now things get escalated. If there's already a certain tolerance of abuse, some people are not going to come out and ask for help right away, right? So that's why having that first understanding is, you know what, I have a problem in my life. Okay, what do I need to do? And sometimes that's reaching out to a mental health therapist. Sometimes that's reaching out to your best girlfriend or your best friend or your person at work who you, who you know you can trust. Because the other harm that we've seen from last year is people have reached out to the wrong people. 
you know, people that were not vetted to help them or someone who would dismiss what they were going through. And then they get into further psychological isolation, which then creates the suicidal passive thoughts and attempts even higher. And we've seen that with our teens. So it is a huge conversation, but to kind of just break it down to very simple steps, it's first taking a realizing if there is someone under my voice that's hearing that and they relate to, you know, having um, suicidal thoughts or even a suicidal attempt, or they realize that I'm in a toxic relationship, is first just being able to admit to that yourself. Because when shame comes, if I admit to that to myself, some people will say, then I am bad. And what's wrong with me, especially if she's six figures, Dominique, or she's making seven figures. It's not sometimes we have a certain stereotype and we go to certain types of economical populations. It's not the case at all. So that psychological isolation is real. And then what happens as a dysfunction of that is we do something called splitting. Well, we'll go to non-relational relief type activities versus relational relief. You know, going back to the cure, and I'm talking about high, high, high standard cure, is to see, be seen, to be heard, to feel loved, to feel connected, which is why I call it the reinvention. We can all reinvent our life by learning how to connect with not just people, but the right people. And I will leave it at that. Um, Dominique, great question and great conversation. This is Dr. Janie. I'll turn it back over to Liza. Thanks so much, Dr. Janie. We have time for two more questions that we would love to answer. So I'd like to go to Jose. Jose, did you have a question uh, for one of our speakers here today? I, good morning, Liza. Yes, I did actually, and uh, Janie basically just answered my question because uh, Dominique kind of asked the same question. And uh, I just, the only thing I really have to say is I just want to thank Coach Isaac for being so open uh, and vulnerable during this time because as I was listening to him, I reflected on myself and started looking looking inwards and realized that I need to go find myself a little bit of help. Um, so I appreciate you so much, Coach. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thanks, Jose. We have time for one last question. So I'm going to go over to Megan. Thank you. This has been such a wonderful, rich um, period of uh, information. And uh, I would just like to ask Dr. Janey um, to explain where um, and how does hope fit into um, the uh, application or for mental health. Um, you know, recently I have been as a team builder and like you were saying, Liza, about your keynote, uh, there's so many people that have been abused in so many ways, but they feel so much more um, open and uh, able to share. And like you said, Liza, I'm ill-equipped. My foundation has always been an encourager and to share hope. But what are, how does hope fit in to what you're speaking about, Dr. Janey? Great question, uh, Megan. And we can go a lot of different directions there. But when we look at, for example, suicide attempts, most people feel hopeless, right? So in order to find hope, we have to find, this is where we do find things outside of ourselves that can pull that in. You know, and as Michael talked about earlier, that can be your faith, right? And so if someone has have faith and they've practiced the practice of faith before you can pull on your faith. If some people have children, it's to pull on the children that I have a purpose here, right? So we're looking at purpose. We're looking at faith. We're looking at that there is a possibility, even a possibility that my future can be greater than how I feel now. That can spark hope. So we can have a whole conversation about that, but I'll give those, those quick tips. It could be faith. It can be purpose. And that, that hallmark that my future 
needs me more than my current situation? So great question, Megan. This is Dr. Janie. Thank you so much. What an hour, guys. I cannot even thank you enough. I knew we were going into this conversation. It could go a lot of different ways. And I loved how Janie just demystified this idea that mental health is not a, a tough conversation. It is a daily occurrence for all of us. But one of my favorite quotes um, that I think about often comes from Brene Brown. And she says, when perfection is driving us, shame is always riding shotgun and fear is the backseat driver. And so it just reminds me all the time that, you know what, I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to always be on. I don't always have to have it all together. That is what keeps us in shame. That's what keeps us in the dark. And for a lot of us who have walked down this road of anxiety or depression or mental health, that is what society has been like, oh, you know, we don't talk about certain things. And it's like, nope, when perfection is driving, shame is always riding shotgun and fear is the backseat driver. So the best way to take control of our mental health is talking about things in the open, just like this. This hasn't been a scary conversation. This hasn't been overwhelming, but I can guarantee you so many people are going to walk away today feeling empowered, feeling equipped, having notes that they can go back to and say, you know what? I can talk about these things. It doesn't have to feel heavy. How am I doing? How am I really doing? And how can you be asking the same questions of yourself and the, the, and the people around you in the boardroom, at home, in your relationships, because those are the things that really matter and push us forward. So thank you everyone for contributing. I guarantee you we're going to have to have a part two because there's so much still to unpack. I know so many of you wanted to um, ask questions, so we'll be sure to add this into a future conversation. So we are off to the next Jason or Jason. Oh, Justin, <laughs> Justin and Amanda. <laughs> um, I'm like, uh, it's a joy zitsu moment. Um, haven't had my coffee this morning, but passing it off to you guys. Thank you again for such an incredible conversation. And we look forward to seeing you guys next Tuesday. Good morning, Justin and Amanda. Good morning, friend. How are you? Yeah, anybody would get tired after a joy jitsu joy jitsu class like that so amazing topic and the interesting thing about what you said at the end is the conversations and the questions never end right this is a growth journey it's not about a goal journey that when i reach this then that will happen it's a continued effort and we're going to continue on this theme amanda and i were talking on the back channels this morning about you know how we can provide some some direction and a topic that would bring the best out of everybody because i think that's what it's about right it's not about us getting up here talking about ourselves it's about providing a platform and engagement so i want everybody to get their pens ready we're going to bring 30 minutes of thunder and we're going to dig into are you asking yourself the right questions right there's been so many amazing questions asked over the last week you know who would be impacted if you weren't here who are you you know glenn asked me whose am i on our podcast last week you know, are your people in your organization in the right seats on the bus? And it's pretty interesting that we're having this conversation this week because I invest in education. I always have, I always will. I've probably spent over six figures on education and I'm doing a course right now. And it, it's doing a deep dive into YouTube with one of the top YouTube coaches on the planet. And it, again, the whole premise of this course I'm seeing is asking these questions, right? And these questions apply just like building a digital brand and a business and anything else, they can apply to your family life, right? And you can apply these same questions to your relationships, to your position as a leader, as a friend, as a parent, you know, they all, it's all one and the same. And I think there's a bit of a delineation sometimes in between our work and our personal purpose. I think what this room is really teaching me is integrating the two. 
And I have a note that I'm looking at in front of me that says your work is your ministry, right? So you impact people through your work. And I've always thought that your job gets you money for sure. No matter what you do, you get a paycheck. And, you know, a lot of times it's a transactional paycheck, but your real wealth comes from the depth of the relationships that you create through your work. So if you can get some direction in your work and in your life by asking yourself the right questions, you can definitely impact people in a more profound way and continue to grow just like Joy was talking about. So Amanda, what does asking the right questions mean to you? Good morning. Wow, while you were talking, I was just getting, I'm sorry, something hit me, just a little bit emotional because you brought up the word personal. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, we got you, girl. It's all good. You, you brought You're amazing, up. Amanda. <laughs> Thank you. Everybody clap it up for Amanda. She's, uh, she's one you of my anchors. This, sure. You've got this, love. You are amazing. <laughs> you brought up the word personal, and quite honestly, it's something that I neglect in my life quite often. Oh, excuse me. <sighs> Because so often I operate like, really like a machine. You know, I was on Glenn's segment this morning and he asked a question. And my first response was, well, the logical me. And then the emotional kicked in. And quite often, you'll notice in my patterns that that's it. I'm, I'm, a, I'm more of a logical thinker. I'm more of a, log, a logical, I lead with logic rather than emotion. And honestly, I haven't been able to shake his question this morning, which is if I lost my voice, and, you know, Scott talked about it and Steve talked about it and my thoughts were, I took it to another level and I was like, if I knew today was going to be the last day that I had my voice, um, what would I want people to hear? What, I, I wouldn't want to spend any moment of today with regret that I didn't say the things that I wanted to say. And then it got me thinking, like, how many times don't I say what it is that I want to say? How many times do I not ask questions? How many times do I just get wrapped up in the moment and whatever it is that I'm doing and I don't stop long enough to smell the flowers or to experience the actual moment that I'm in? I just run right past it and I'm always chasing this finish line that just continuously moves and man, that just hit me hard this morning. So I'm sorry. <clears throat> and to answer your question, um, I'm the queen of questions. I love questions. I don't know. I don't think you can have a relationship without questions. So I think a lot of the times people will ask surface level questions and then they'll get the answers. And an example of just, just surface level answers. An example of that is like when you're at the grocery store and the clerk says, Hey, how are you doing? And your automatic response is fine. How are you doing? And we're just so programmed to be so surface level. And it's really when you get deeper with the questions, and you get more purposeful with the questions that you're asking, that you find out who somebody is, that you really, you, you can reach to their core and really get to know who they are. And going back to Glenn's comment this morning, what a travesty, right? Because so many people in this room are my friends and I only know your voice. So if tomorrow you woke up and you didn't have a voice, I mean, I, I don't know that we would have a relationship because how would we interact with one another if we don't meet each other? So it was just powerful, and, and I know that was a long-winded answer, yet I think it's all about the depth of the question, the purpose of the question. Get away from the surface-level questions and go deep. Be purposeful about it. 
what makes me smile about this conversation is a nothing scripted right and i didn't have planned what i was going to say next but through your authenticity and you being vulnerable in a room full of people with the hundreds of people i didn't even look at the room count last you know a you had people jump in and support you out of the gate and we're you're stronger for being like that just so that you know for anybody in the room that is scared about being vulnerable you are actually stronger for being vulnerable in an open space and the second thing i thought about is you know to ask the right questions you have to listen first. I think we get so excited about our turn and I'm going to grab the mic and I'm not even listening to you speak because I'm going to think about what I'm going to say next. But what you said about the grocery store got me thinking like, well, what practical and tactical advice can I give people here to figure out the right questions to ask? So I'm like, well, look at the clerk in the eyes, look at the clerks, what, what she's wearing, you know, Tell her she's beautiful or, or something along those lines, right? Obviously, I'm a married man, so I'm probably not doing that and having somebody take it the wrong way, but compliment the person, you know, bring light into their life, find out something about them, what they're passionate about, you know, how their day is actually going. And you will be very, very, very surprised at how the right questions tend to find themselves naturally coming out of you when you're listening, not just waiting for your turn to speak. The other thing I was going to point out, and I'd love, I'd love to just dig into this with you and Amanda, anybody flash your mics, you're welcome to jump into this conversation at any point in time. This is an open table. You know, it's about purpose, right? And finding that purpose by asking yourself the right questions. Because what you said made me smile, because I'm very systematic as well. A plus B equals C. How can I systemize it, make it faster, make it more efficient? And, you know, when Glenn asks you the question, what if you lost your voice? You know, you responded in the same manner that I would have if somebody said, you know, what if a genie gave you a wish? I'd be like, well, I'd ask for more wishes, right? It's that same logical approach. But as you're going deeper and, and you're asking yourself that question about purpose, right? And finding your purpose, that's a loaded question, right? And when you really dig in and you start thinking about the purpose and the impact that you're looking to have on this earth, be it for a short time or a long time, there is a level of care that you need to take when answering that question and asking yourself that question. So Amanda, I'll throw this back to you. What questions would you be asking yourself if, if you were guiding somebody to help them find their purpose or their voice when they can't see it in themselves? Oh, such a great question. Cause I spend a lot of time, um, coaching the, the real, I'm in real estate, by the way, if you don't know that, um, and I have a large real estate team, we have 21 people on our team. And so I spend a lot of time coaching them. Um, and, and often if you pay attention enough to the people that you're talking to, it's not that they don't have the answers. It's not that they don't know what to say. They just don't know how to articulate it. And as a really good conversationist, a really good coach, a really good family member, a husband, a wife, whatever it is, a, a great, great, great thing that you can do for them is ask them questions that will allow them to dig deeper and really think, and then ask them to, to um, repeat those things to you. So some of the examples of that would be, you know, uh, you, we could pick any topic and, and I might say, well, well, Justin, tell me more about that. And then you'll continue on to, to explain it to me. And so what I, what I think I'm hearing you say is, and then I'll repeat that back and ask them to confirm it because I always want to make sure, cause, cause that is for the most, 
they're the majority of people, it's extremely hard for them to articulate exactly what they want to do. Like how many times does somebody ask you a question and then you answer it and they move on to the next one. And as you're thinking about it, you're like, oh man, I forgot to say this. Or, oh man, I wish I would have said that. Like it happens all the time. And so taking that extra moment to ask a second level or third level uh, deeper of a question will really make sure that that person was able to articulate exactly what they were thinking. So tell me more about that. Or what did you mean when you said this? Or what I think I hear you saying is X and ask them to affirm it. Because when you walk away from a conversation, you also want to know that you got exactly what they intended for you to get. And I think what she just explained allows people to find a little bit more focus, right? I do find sometimes I can be a bit of a scattergun. My brain works far faster than my mouth. I drink probably way too much coffee and I'm a pretty excitable guy if you get to know me a little bit. But with that comes an inability to necessarily focus the laser beam, right? And I think by asking the right questions, like Amanda was saying, it allows you to focus where you're deploying your resources. And that was a question that Amanda and I were talking about earlier about what are you spending your time and your money on? It goes back to what we've learned over the last couple of weeks in this room. You could literally look at your calendar in your bank account. But are you willing to look at your calendar in your bank account? And then once you do, you start writing down your ambitions. What are you trying to accomplish, right? And just give you guys or guys and gals some insights into this coaching course that I'm taking. I, I paid a couple thousand bucks to get some clarity on the direction of the content that I'm putting out. I don't sell anything. I own two companies. I don't, I'm not in a position where I necessarily need to turn it into an income generating asset. But I did get a lot of clarity on impact and I'll share with you the screen that I'm actually looking at. And this is me sitting down for hours and hours and hours and revising it and changing it and discussing it with my wife and my people in my community and asking for feedback and, and asking people what value I can possibly bring them and then writing it down on paper and getting some clarity. So I'm going to give you so all some tactical questions that you can sit down and write. And again, this costs me money, but you can have it for free. And this is through the lens of building a brand new YouTube channel, right? And I've spoken about this before, small channel now, I have my other business channel that has its base, but this one is special to me because my moonshot is getting it to a million subscribers and having a global impact. But what does that really mean without asking the question? So the first question, and you can have this for whether you're gonna launch a YouTube channel and scale a six-figure business on YouTube, which you can do for sure, or a business, or personal ambition and is what is the purpose of that in my case it was what is the purpose of this channel and one to be very honest was to increase my personal brand exposure mainly not from a monetary standpoint but i do feel like i've been training for this my whole life and i've been speaking with some pretty amazing people and i've had some mentors that have taught me stuff as a broken human being for a very long time and i just had people lift me up i don't want anything from anybody charge for anything. I'll give you everything for free, but I just want to pass that on. And the best way to do that for clarity of purpose is to be focused on increasing that brand exposure and putting effort, time, and resources into it. The thought leadership buckets that I happen to understand are marketing sales and productivity because I'm so crazy that I had to put leverage and systems in place to manage the energy. I wanted to inspire others through content and visuals content being the actual concise, practical and tactical information I'm giving. But something you don't know about me is I'm a photographer. Nobody really knows that. I've never shared that on any platforms to the point where like I dress 
like you'd never expect a real estate agent to dress so that you wouldn't even recognize me on the streets when I shoot. But I've always done that. And I like bringing forth beautiful visuals because I think it inspires people. And then community building, getting some conciseness around building a valuable community. I don't want a million followers just to have a million followers. I don't even care about the subscriber count. I'd rather have a room of 100 people that are the real ones than a million people that are robots in Thailand. I don't care about the, that. But I do think with a couple billion people on the planet, we can pull together a million awesome folks. And I can tell you from the room and the faces I see on this panel, I don't even know you, Liza, Tamara, we've become friends, Michael, Alpha, Darian, Ashley, like Molly, I'm going through this list and I'm looking at people. Lauren, I don't know you, but I know you. Monica, I don't know you, but I know you. The real ones are out there and we can pull it together. Now, what is your purpose? I want you all to ask yourselves that question. And what impact do you want to have? And that will give you some direction. Now, Amanda, what type of purpose questions do you think people are missing? Or what type of questions would you ask somebody, somebody looking to find their purpose? Man, such a great question. And when I think about you know, why I ask people the questions that I do, I think it stems, I don't, I don't think, I know actually, let me correct myself. It stems from a place of wanting to inspire. And when I say that, it definitely do, doesn't come from an egotistical place. I have been inspired by so many different people. And quite honestly, anything that I regurgitate is just that regurgitation. None of it's original. It's because somebody inspired me and I want to pass that along. And so when I think about the questions, like if you really want me to walk through my thought process, when I sit down with somebody, what's the, what's the purpose of sitting down and having this conversation? Is it business? Is it personal? What am I looking to get out of the conversation? I think first I need to understand that so that I ask the right questions. And then when I start to ask the questions, if I identify that I'm not getting the answers I'm looking for, I know it's for one of two reasons. Either the person does not see value in whatever it is that we're talking about and or they don't feel like they're being heard. A lot of the times you'll get one word answers when you have conversations with people. If they don't feel like you're actually hearing them, like you said earlier, if you're not, if you're asking questions and then pausing only for the next time that you can reply. And so you'll notice that when you actually take like it's it, everything matters in that moment, your body language, the position in which you're sitting, the way that your eye contact is with them, you know, are your arms folded or are they open? Are you sitting across the table or are you sitting diagonal? Like all of those things really matter when you want to have super meaningful conversations. And then when you start to ask those questions, it's extremely important for you to pause and actually listen to what they're saying. And you can actually add like an extra length of that pause just to make sure that they got all of it out. And I know sometimes when we ask questions, actually a lot of times when we ask questions, somebody might respond with, well, I don't know, or I don't know, I'm not really sure. And I would say more often than not, it's not that they don't know. It goes back to that either they don't know how to articulate it or they have fear that what they're about to share with you you're going to judge them on, right? They're, they're, they have fear of that vulnerability. And so one of my favorite follow-up questions to I don't know is, well, you know, Justin, if you did know, what do you think it would be? And just get them to think. Because a lot of the times when people say, I don't know, they're like, all right, they're just going to jump to the next question or all right, they're just going to move on. And if I really want to know in that moment what I'm looking for, I'll say, well, you know, Justin, I can appreciate that. And yet, let me ask you, if you did know, what do you 
think it would be? If you did know, where do you think you would go for that? And and usually they'll go, well, I mean, if I had to guess, and, and all the while I realized they did have the answer, they were just scared of being vulnerable or being wrong and that I was going to judge them for it. And or they literally thought I was just going to skip right over it. And, and I love that I was taught by a coach and a mentor to ask that question because people really do have the answers. Man, what you just said made me think back to a mentor that taught me something very special as well. And again, anybody listening to this, you're noticing patterns of looking to other people that are smarter than you to, to help guide you and ask you the same questions. Then you pass those questions along to the people around you and you know, the thing that popped in my head is a song. It's what my mentor told me to go look up. And it was that fear is a liar. I think the one pattern that I notice in people that really struggle to ask themselves the right questions or better yet answer the questions is they're so worried about what other people are going to say or think. And they create these narratives in their mind that are just not, not factual. Right. And they tell themselves stories about, well, this person thought this, and this is why they got that deal. And this is why I didn't get this one. And, it culminates to paralyzing them and they live an entire life fearing something that may never happen yet never taking the opportunity to do the thing that they wanted to do right and i think that really puts us in all in a position where getting clarity around what do we want to do is very important right and finding your purpose and putting some work into that not being fancy about it and not even trying to you know write out your purpose as if anybody's watching i think people you know get paralyzed with social media especially i mean so many influencers out there, and I'm doing the little air quotes with my fingers, are the least influential people I know, right? All they care about is the follower count and the clout and the association. And I got to get to this person. I got to get this person on my podcast so that my image can be better. When in reality, when you do that, nobody cares anyways. So why are you bothering? Like, what is the true purpose that you want to have? What's the true impact that you want to have? And what vehicles do you have around you to help you fulfill that purpose? Again, your work is your ministry. Happen, I happen to be in real estate as well. It's a fun business. People let me into their house. It seems crazy sometimes, but it's fun. And I get to meet people and the relationships and the opportunities that come from that, again, come th from the depth of relationships and how willing I am to listen. But before I even get into the house or the room or the stage, it is getting clarity of purpose of, all right, well, you got the mic. Like, are you just going to sit there and talk about yourself or are you going to try and empower other people with ways that they can find themselves because service and serving others is the most selfish thing you can do. And if you can have that impact on those other people and then give them the strength to not fear, they are ultimately more powerful. Now, the next question that I have is after, after you find your purpose, who is the people that you were trying to reach? I think that's another thing that people just completely miss. Well, everybody, right? I, I want to affect the entire planet. I do too. But not everybody is going to gravitate towards me, I'm sure. I'm a lot for some people, my energy level, everything else. I get it. Like, I, I'm a very unique individual, but I bet you I can empower some people that could reach them, right? So putting some clarity into, you know, when I say audience, more so I mean community, right? Who are your people? Who are the people that are getting value from what you're putting out in the world? And what questions do they have? Again, everybody's here because they want to grow, right? This is called the breakfast with champions, getting around a table with people that have done the things that you want to do 
And I'm one of the people sitting with you by your side, trying to get around people that are doing the things that I want to do. Most of the people that have accomplished anything of significance have put a whole lot of work into finding out who their audience is and their community and what questions or problems do they have. So let's go back to the grocery store, Amanda, right? And that lady that is at the counter and maybe she wasn't having the best day, but Amanda walks up and she asked Amanda how her day was. And instead of giving the canned response, Amanda, you respond and how do you draw out of her you know, who she is and what she's passionate about and how do you engage and connect with somebody so that you can reach that next level and find out, you know, what speaks to the people in your world and what problems they have that you can solve. Before I answer that question and because you're my brother, I'm going to push back on something that you said. You are too much for some people. My friend, you are not too much for the right people. And that should be at the forefront of your mind. You are never too much for the right people, for the people that are supposed to be in your world. You are amazing. Amen. And I just want you to know that. Amen. So the grocery, absolutely. So the grocery store, I always love to lead with gratitude. So when somebody asks me how I'm doing, you know, I'll share what I shared in the room that we were in earlier. I woke up feeling larger than life. I am so grateful for today. How are you? And when somebody gives you an answer like that, it's really hard to go, mm-hmm, okay, or mm, I'm good. Like you're inspired by that, right? So I am a firm believer that leading with a grateful heart and sharing what it is that you're grateful for, I mean, it just inspires people to then be grateful. Because when you hear what people are grateful for, whatever was happening in your day or in your world, you're just like, yeah, you know what? It could be worse. So today I'm grateful that I have a job. Today I'm grateful that I get to scan your groceries. I don't know what's going to come out of her mouth. Yet I do know that by sharing with her how inspired I feel and how grateful I am, the chances are she's probably going to give a reply that's somewhat similar. You're absolutely correct. I think turning around and asking, breaking the pattern is everything, right? So responding in different ways and, and thoughtfully and looking at the person in the eyes that you're talking to is everything. I do want to give a couple tactical ways again, because I just, I, I default to that of how people, when they're actually building businesses and some insights that I've learned from some of these experts is your content allows you to listen to the people around you, right? So all of you that have platforms in any capacity, doesn't matter if you have a hundred followers or a hundred thousand followers, when you start looking into the insights and the data and the analytics, your audience will speak to you through their engagement in your content, right? Your audience, Glenn, in this room will speak to you through their engagement in these conversations, through the back channel DMs, right? The people that are on this platform speaking in different capacities. If you're in the audience, you know, the onus is on you to activate your community and get engaged and say hi to the person to the right of you and to the left of you. I still remember going to church as a kid and, you know, when the pastor would say, oh, shake the person's hand next to you and say hi, like, ultimately we're all bare bums in the shower, right? We're doesn't matter how much money we have. We're all the same at the end of the day, but you have to engage your community to draw the questions out of them. So I want to encourage everybody today to engage their community, to find out who the people are around them more than that, to get some direction to their energy deployment from their time and resources perspective by asking themselves some simple questions of what impact do you want to have in the world? What vehicles, do you have around you and what 
is the community you're serving asking? What are their major problems? There's literally a website that you can go on called answerthepublic.com. This is a super hack for anybody growing on YouTube. You can type in anything you want on answerthepublic.com and it will give you the very top search results that people are looking for in that niche. It's what a lot of the top YouTubers use to find out what content they're going to create. They actually create the titles and the description before they even shoot the video, which should tell you something, right? When people are being thoughtful about their production and their content production and distribution, this is their business. These same principles you can apply to your life. I can hear my little seven-year-old daughter upstairs with a squeak toy playing with our little four-pound Maltese. And I can tell you that my intentionality when I'm done this conversation to take her outside and play with her and be present in those moments comes from doing the hard work of, of sitting down and doing the, the, the journal that Glenn has and talking about my intentionality and my purpose of being a good father and a good husband and trying to be a good leader and having an impact in the world and growing my organization. And, and again, this has just been imprinted in my brain because I'm willing to do the work. I'm not perfect by any means and I'm not all of those things, but I will be all of those things because I understand where my purpose lies. So I'm gonna leave my session with this. I do wanna pass the mic off to Amanda and I do wanna give you your flowers from the standpoint that you are an absolute anchor, right? I, I do think, I wanna to speak to your, your earlier segment where you were speaking when you came on saying you kind of go into that beast mode and a plus b equals c and you go through like a logical analysis of problems and tactics but you know from a personal level sometimes you're not stopping to step smell the flowers so what questions are you going to ask yourself amanda that we can leave people with to find out how you're going to do that or the purpose of smelling the flowers and slowing down in your day well, I love you. Thank you for that. And I think the questions that I'm going to ask myself are, you know, what, what do I want to take from each and every conversation from every person that I have an interaction with? How do I want them to feel when we leave that conversation? Because like Glenn said this morning, I could lose my voice tomorrow and it could be the last conversation that we ever have. And I'll tell you this, Justin, because you made such a great point. You know, sometimes we seek out people to, to talk to. We seek out people to have relationships for whatever reason. They inspire us. There's somebody that we want in our world. And the reality is just, you know, that saying, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Same concept. Sometimes people aren't ready to have those conversations. Sometimes people aren't ready to hear your questions. And I would just encourage you that in those moments, you just remind yourself why you want to have a conversation with that person in the first place. And you just keep at it. You know, maybe give them a little space and try again a little bit later. And yet just know that just because somebody doesn't give you a response immediately or just because they don't engage the way that you want them to doesn't necessarily mean they don't want to. Maybe they're just not ready yet or they don't necessarily know how. So keep at it because I know there are some relationships in my life that if I would have given up on the first time I tried a question or the first time that I attempted an interaction, man, I would have missed out on some incredible, incredible relationships. You have a tremendous opportunity to reinvent your dealership today, right now, and to not take advantage of it would mean that everything that you just went through and are going through was in vain. 
How about instead we build something new like Kevin did in Virginia who was up 37% in April or Mike in Wyoming who was up 90% in April or Bob in Kentucky who broke a 60 year record this past January. All of these dealers join the 800% club and together we continue to win. Listen, I've done this before. I've helped build a monster dealership from the inside out and now I want to build one with you. You and your team deserve it. So look, the time is now. It's time for you to protect your legacy. Head on over to 800EliteAutomotiveClub.com to learn more. You are a wonderful human being, Amanda. My man, Trevor, are you there, brother? Good morning, good morning, good morning. Justin, Amanda, you guys, wow. I, I love following you because I get to listen to you, and y'all blow me away. Amanda, your vulnerability and just getting out here, wow. And uh, Justin, you are a great interviewer, man. I got to tell you that. You asked some very, very thought-provoking questions. Can I get everybody to, like – Unmute your mic real quick and just give me a yay, yay for just epic yay, 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 And this is for y'all, okay? Yay, yay. I'm going to give you a round of applause. You know what I'm saying? I'm in hot. Bravo, bravo. We love you, Trevor. <laughs> well, we love you too. I appreciate you. You guys lift me up. And, uh, you know, Amanda, I want to tell you, uh, I feel just like you, all right, when you were speaking about, you know, trying to hit that finish line but the finish line just keeps moving you know a little bit further 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 you know I, I feel the same way so trust me I think you're um you're reaching a lot of people out there when you're speaking so keep keep going I love you appreciate you all right guys so here's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna go ahead and reset this room let's rock and roll good morning good morning good morning my name is Trevor Houston, and this is Breakfast with Champions, the Millionaire Breakfast Club, and we're live every Monday through Saturday, 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and this is your opportunity to get a seat at the table with those going the places you know you can go and doing the things you know you can do. Now, we don't see this with a clubhouse divider with a stage on top and an audience down below. No, no, no. Instead, we look at this as the world's largest breakfast table. Full of motivation, education, inspiration, and even a friendly competition with the positive intention of pushing your momentum in the right direction. Now listen, we never want you to leave this room empty-handed so you can go download The Morning 5 free ebook at themorning5.com. Go grab that at themorning5.com. Guys, I'm super excited. Uh, so you heard me talking about even a friendly competition with the positive intention of pushing your momentum in the right direction. Now listen, right? You heard me talking about that. Well, we've been doing our quest for the MVP tournament, and it's been exciting. We've had people come up here on stage and compete. They're looking for, looking to take home the trophy, right? And uh, we had one gentleman come up here and just absolutely crush it. So I'm super excited. He uh, won his segment here today. So I'm, I'm really, really, really excited to welcome Jonathan Cook to the stage. So if everybody can unmute your mic and give a warm welcome to Jonathan Cook. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome, welcome Jonathan. Welcome. welcome, Jonathan Cook. Welcome. And I'd like, welcome. To, I'd like to also formally introduce wow, him. Thank I want to read his bio real quick. Hey, Jonathan, good morning. How are you? Man, blessed this morning. 
Y'all man, good? I'm excited to have you here. Let me let me read your bio to the audience and, and to everybody here so they can get to know you a little bit better. And then we want to dive in. I want to get to know you. So, guys, Jonathan, uh, he's the lead singer of the band Forever the Sickest Kids, signed to Universal Motown uh, in 20, 000, or 2007 through 2011. He's uh, Keller Williams Realty top number one uh, top one percent international real estate team owner, uh, worship leader, uh, singer songwriter, husband and dad of three children, uh, anywhere from six months to five years old, and uh, we're excited to interview him today because he's going to be talking to us about Texas real estate, team building, culture in the workforce, uh, building a brand, music and business, and really, uh, you know, the title today is going from massive success from one industry to another. Uh, Jonathan, I'm excited you're here, man. I appreciate you. And tell me real quick here, what does it mean when you put the title massive success from one industry to another? I know you're in real estate now. What what was the other industry? Where did you come from? So uh, thank you so much, man. All the kind words and all the energy that y'all bring every morning to me is unbelievable. And I'll, I'll start by saying uh, a month ago, I had a life-changing injury. Uh, on a mountain snowboarding in Keystone, Colorado, and uh, my whole life changed, and we'll talk about that in a, mid a minute, but I'm, I had to have an emergency surgery and, and be driven down the mountain, and, and uh, at 37 years old, I found myself in a sling for the past nine weeks, and you guys, every morning, when it's so painful to wake up, and my, uh, I had cadaver ligaments put in my shoulder and reset my clavicle, and I'm on this journey of rehab. I know that I have breakfast of champions clubhouse every morning and you guys are at the table pumping me up. And literally some mornings when it felt like I had two cinder blocks on my chest, y'all were the ones that got me out of bed without knowing it. So this group is power. This group is anointed and uh, y'all just keep doing what you, what you do because it's amazing. And thanks for having me this morning. Yes, that is awesome, man. Well, I mean, not that you got hurt. Uh, you said that was a. <laughs> you said that that was a, a snow. Did you say snowboarding? Yeah. So had a snowboarding accident. Um, man, just on a green. And any of you skiers out there, uh, I'm an intermediate snowboarder. Just caught a front edge, fell weird on my elbow. It shoved my shoulder up into my clavicle, snapped it in two pieces. Oh, man. And then I had to be flown from Colorado to Texas for emergency surgery because of how bad the break was. And then. Oof had to get cadaver ligaments, re rebuild my shoulder. And this, this all happened March, April of this year. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I just got out of the sling last week and uh, I'm, I'm ready to pump you guys up this morning with some motivation and some exciting, exciting things. So well, great question. Um, I started in 2007 on my um, unbelievable journey of kind of, uh, they say, five years of preparation to be an overnight success. Um, everybody looks at our story and says, wow, they signed a multi-million dollar recording deal with just one song on the internet on an old website, purevolume.com. Well, part of that is true. We, we wrote a song called Hey Brittany and um, over Christmas break in college and we threw it up on what was a popular website back then, purevolume.com. And someone at the right time heard it. We got front page for 14 days on that website over a Christmas break and 
we had offers from Warner Brothers, from Hollywood Records, from Sony, and from Universal Motown and Tooth and Nail Records all within one week off of one song. And so that started our journey. We ended up signing with Universal Motown. And so we were label mates with Michael Jackson, the Jackson 5, uh, Martha and the Vandellas. I mean, I can go down the list of, of the history of Motown. And that was an amazing, an amazing um, run for about seven years. We had a top 40 record uh, in Japan um, over Katy Perry and Coldplay. And we were, on, we were the number one top 40 song in Japan for two weeks. And so all of that was so cool. However, God had a bigger calling for my life. And all that was really a setup for what I'm doing now. And my passion now is speaking and, and leading my real estate team and motivating people through, you know, I was an, I was an influencer before the term got weird, you know, and I know that so many people say they're influencers and the only people that they influence are their follower count. I love somebody that said that in the last hour segment. That was huge. Um, but I never liked to refer to myself as celebrity, even as I was in grocery stores across the world and would see my face on the front of J14 magazine or these, these teen magazines. It, it was never a celebrity thing for me. It was, it was a statement I heard years ago from a pastor that said, if your passion isn't your purpose, it's pointless. And if your passion doesn't become your pulpit, it's useless. And I thought that that was so huge at a formative age to hear that and to say, my talent set is different than the person to my left and to my right. And I don't have to go to a third world country to be a missionary for what I believe in, which is my Christian faith. And so I just, in 2007, got my first tattoo and on my left wrist it says love and on my right wrist it says everyone. And as I held the microphone on stage, no matter which wrist I was holding it with, it was a reminder that those eyes that were looking back at me from the crowd, whether it be 200 or 40 or 50,000, those every set of eyes was a story. And from 2007 to 2013, I just used my platform in the music industry as we continued to grow and had larger and larger tours. And we were on tour with great bands. I mean, Good Charlotte, uh, um, Simple Plan, Some 41, all that all that pop punk era of, of the late 2000 teens and 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 uh and early 2020s was just a great way for me to minister to children. Uh, I say children because I'm 37, and a lot of the people that were at our autograph signings at that time were between 14 and 22 and probably 80% female. But the stories that I would hear at those autograph signings from, from people who had track marks from their wrist to their shoulder where they had been cutting themselves and said, literally, your music... Um, I put on my iPod to take my life last night, but I had a mouthful of pills and your song Breakdown come on and I spewed out those pills and started dancing and literally I have a second chance at this life. I mean, th those type stories just totally wow. riddled my life for seven years around the globe. Didn't matter if I was in Canada, Australia, Japan, Indonesia, Pakistan, you know, not Pakistan, Philippines, sorry. It was everywhere we went, it was just shown to me the power of music. So I took that, took that same passion and that international business success and that team building element and brought it into real estate. And here I am now. I think that was probably the most long-winded possible answer you could have ever gotten on that question.
It was an amazing answer. Oh my gosh, I was not expecting that. How powerful is that? And music is super powerful. One of the things that I want to say to to comment on what you were talking about, you said that it was kind of like a, um, you know, I don't know what they call it, um, where your first your first song was a hit, right? You said your first song was like a hit and it came out. Yeah. Yeah. But you've been putting in the work, right? I'm sure, right? It, it also yes. in your in your bio here, you know, you're a, a worship leader, song, singer songwriter. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, you have the talent, which means you've put in the work. So it's not mm. like you were just like this overnight success. Mm. You just got recognized. I feel like in the right time, in the right place, in the right season, it was for a reason, right? It was for that purpose. So- I feel like that's when I'm hearing you tell the story. That, like, it's kind of like like I feel like with Glenn Lundy. Glenn Lundy's been putting in the work for a long, Absolutely. long, long time, right? And and then Clubhouse, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yes. then Clubhouse, right? And yes. it just, it was the right season, the right timing, the, you know, but the work, he'd already put in the work. And I feel like it's the same thing with you. You'd been putting in the work. Man, so much, that's such a good parallel because Glenn is such a great example of this. You you would have asked Glenn six years ago, um, do you have the world by, by the tail? You're an author, you're a mathematician, you have all these great things going for you. And then to get discovered at a higher level than he was and to get discovered in the way that he did by so many people my age on Clubhouse, it's unbelievable to see. And thank you, Glenn, for all you do every morning for all of us. And so many people on here, Dr. Janie and Scott and Bill, and it's just it's unbelievable what's happening on Clubhouse, and it's unbelievable how many people are still naive to it and don't know about it. But this 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 group here uh, really is changing my life every morning. It's changed the way I wake up in the morning. It's changed the way that I think about mornings. Um, it's literally um, what I talk about as a mindset shift that we have to have daily. But uh, we have it hourly attacking you and and you're not the source of their anger but you're the closest one to them so they pour their anger on you and how to not be reactive in that moment in the same way that police officers are taught to defuse the situation to not be reactive in that moment i've learned a lot through clubhouse so that's just a shout out to fill the bucket of glenn and scott and bill and so many on here um back to what you're saying because you brought up a good point there that i don't want to miss the overnight success piece, I know I'm talking to somebody in this room this morning, I don't know who it is, but somebody out there can relate to this that have been attacked by the hockey stick, I'll call it, of their success. Like if you look at a graph, the shape of what a hockey stick would be, slow success, slow success, slow success, and then oh my gosh, it just hockey sticks to the moon. So many of you, of you in this room have that level of success and people from the outside looking in, even people that didn't know Glenn Lundy previous to Clubhouse and say, oh, man, he's just an overnight success. Well, the piece is my band was called The Flip Side for years, and we put up a song called under a, under a fake band name that we just made up called Forever the Sickest Kids, and that's the name we get discovered under. And technically, Forever the Sickest Kids only had one song, but we've been touring the nation, touring the nation for five years under a different band name. So... Fast forward five years later, and I, the band is kind of on hiatus at this point. We're all older. We have different goals in life, and you go into real estate overnight. And we've been touring the country for or the world, rather, for seven years, and I bring that business-savvy, international business experience to the real estate game and win Regional Rookie of the Year for the largest real estate company in the nation year one. 
and sell 66 homes year one as an individual agent and all these people are, who's this overnight success? Well, yes and no. I've been working 13 years to become an overnight success. So I don't know who that speaks to. And I know we all have haters out there. And, you know, I say to anybody that has a lot of anxiety around your haters, just tell them to keep talking about you. They're making you famous. It, well, and it's also like that um, that iceberg, you know, you've seen the image, right, where it's look, you see success at the top and then underneath is is all the failure and rejection and all Huge. the, you know, yeah, Huge. all that, you know that image. Absolutely. Got, a lot of people have seen that. Well, and it's so true. And, uh, you know, you've, you've put in the work. So, it, like you said, you had a different band uh, name, different band name. And you had been touring and doing all this stuff, and then you changed it up, switched it up a little bit. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, there's no, um, yeah, no shame in that, man. You put in the work. You put in the work. So, well, and it's I so funny awesome. because people say all the time, and this is such a simple, simple but profound. People say all the time, uh, everybody wants what you have till they know what you did to get it, and it's it's <laughs> just an amazing piece of, yeah, I, I, you know. Uh, have have you put in have, have you put in or are you willing to have what I have because the price I paid is subsurface I just love that analogy that you brought up what a what a profound analogy here the iceberg all you see is the tip of the iceberg you don't see the, the amount of work that went into it I love that 100%. hopefully that encourages someone hey Jonathan I'm curious um, do you uh, do you play an instrument or are you just a singer or Okay, so this might this might inspire someone. So in the flip side, I was a guitarist and a singer, lead singer with a guitar in my hands. And my band members came to me one night after a concert and said, hey, man, I know you're going to hate us saying this, and this is a fierce conversation. What's about to come out of our mouths is not easy, but you do want us to be honest with you, don't you? And they kind of did this tie down. And anybody, any anytime someone says in sales, don't you, isn't it, aren't you, the only thing you can say is yes. And so yeah, I want you to be honest with me. And they said, it's probably time for you to take the guitar out of your hands. You're an amazing front man, an amazing singer. And I think that'll take our band to the next level. So the moment I put the guitar down and just became front man and we changed our name, in the flip side, I had a guitar and a mic and in Forever the Sickest Kids, all I did was uh, have a mic in my hand and be the front man and the hype man for our band. And so Boy, that was not easy to let something go. But I think so many times we hold on to something comfortable in fear of what would happen if we lose that comfort. But I believe that if if we can be comfortable in discomfort, we can continue to always go to the next level and be a better version of ourselves every time somebody interacts with us again. Wow. Yeah, I love that. I mean, you have to just kind of stretch your your um you know, your uncomfortable zone, I guess, right? When you get <laughs> uncomfortable, you just gotta kinda um you know, you get, you, like you said, you start to get comfortable in the uncomfortable. And so what yeah, you're, that's doing, huge. you're just, ex, you're just expanding, right? Like if you've ever seen, there's another image out there. There's another image where it's got like your comfort zone. Then it's got the fear zone. Then it's got <laughs> the, uh, the, the, uh, learning zone and the growth zone. Have you ever seen that image? You I have. Yes. That? That's huge. I love that. And all you're doing is you're just expanding. You're just growing. And so you, mm -hmm. you just move it and you get a little bit more uncomfortable, a little bit more uncomfortable. Like there was a time, I'll tell you, like just right here with Clubhouse, um, Clubhouse terrified me. I mean, absolutely terrified me at one point, right? And now I'm like super comfortable. I don't even care, right? 
Um, <laughs> I mean, I care, right? But you know what sure, I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it, I get it. You know what I'm saying? But like, there was a time where just getting up on stage and, and speaking would have terrified me. There's a lot of things, and it, but you do it, and you do it repetitively. You push yourself, you get out of your comfort zone, and over time, that starts to become comfortable. And so you're just stretching it, growing it, getting bigger uh, over time. So I love, I love how you put that. Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorningfive.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. Yeah, so it makes me think of, um, can you hear me okay? Am I still there? Yeah, you're here. Okay. Uh, we talked about this a little bit when I was on Clubhouse last week about you can't have uphill goals with downhill habits. And it just makes me think of everything worthwhile is uphill. And if there's anybody out there listening about, you know, what we're talking about, Trevor and I, with, with, with the work that you got to put in, it's so amazing that we can just always keep our eyes to the sky at our next level and know that it really takes uphill habits for your uphill goals to be crushed. And so, I don't know if that speaks to anybody, but if it does, it's just like uh, Finding Nemo says, keep swimming, keep going. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. Somebody woke up with a migraine that's listening to Clubhouse that feels like they have a cinder block on their chest this morning. And I would say my action step for you right now, drop those heels on the floor and repeat these words. I'm refreshed, I'm renewed, and I have plenty of sleep for today. And I'm gonna encourage anybody in the earshot of my voice to get two words out of your life in 2021. The first one is busy. B-U-S-Y. The reason is when somebody is successful and you hear them say they're busy and you're not successful, it hurts. It's a negative response. It, it, it makes you either jealous or you go into depression or, you know, all kinds of emotion when so, oh, I'm so busy. Well, if we can replace the word busy in 2021 with the words either active or productive, it will totally change the mindset of how people perceive us. And you know what you're doing by telling people you're busy, I'm, oh, I'm so busy. How you doing? Oh, I'm busy. You're shunning more clients from coming your way. So if anybody on this call is in sales, get the word B-U-S-Y out of your mouth this year and train your mind. Take 66 days to form a habit, but start training your mind to transform from busy to either productive in your speech. Man, how you doing? Oh, I'm so busy. Versus how you doing? Oh, I'm so, I'm productive, man. It's the best season I've had all year. And it just, it's its an answer with your hands open rather than an answer with your hands closed. Nobody wants to work with someone that's too busy for them. And that's a, that's, that's, that's a word that can shun people away. That's powerful. That is powerful right there. Yeah. So when the, you say you're too busy for somebody, right. Or, or, you know, you're so busy. It, you're, yeah, you're exactly right. You're, you're turning them away. You're pushing them well, away because you're saying I'm, I'm, I'm more important or what I've got going on is more important because I'm so busy. Right. That's huge. That's huge. And, and it's a, we talked in the last hour about being in the recovery of, you know, the post pandemic recovery. And yeah, we do have a lot that got put off for six, eight, 12 months. Probably every one of us uh, is productive right now. And so um, it's a hard B word to hear. So take the B word out of your speech. The second one is the T word, T I R E D. I don't use that word anymore. I don't ever want last night's decisions to affect today's success. And so the way that I do that is 
I trained my speech to never let T-I-R-E-D come out of my mouth. No matter if it was one hour sleep, I tossed and turned all night and got no sleep. I put this out there in a way that people can understand it simply. And I, the way that you can confess over your mind, confessions in the morning are so important. And if you want to, um, those of you that follow me on Clubhouse, if you want to DM me, I will send you my confessions that I read every morning, every single morning with my team. If you want that, just DM me and I'll send it to you. But take tired out of your speech and the confession around T-I-R-E-D is I'm refreshed, I'm renewed, and I have plenty of sleep for today. And the thought around that is so many times we show up to work and we do feel T-I-R-E-D. However, if we will say out of our mind, our cells eavesdrop on our thoughts. So if we will say out of our, out of our mouth, I'm refreshed, I'm renewed, I have plenty of sleep for today, and I'm ready to go crush it, versus... Just the energy suck of, oh, yeah, I'm good, but man, I'm so T-I-R-E-D. It will totally transform your results on a day where you might be T-I-R-E-D, but go till 6.30 and go crash at 7 p.m. Nothing wrong with that. No judgment zone there. And hopefully that'll help somebody out there. That one helps me, Jonathan. I'm going to tell you right now. That one helps <laughs> well, good. me. That's uh, awesome. Because because I have uh, felt that with that that T word, <laughs> absolutely. I have felt I have felt it. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. And uh, so I just need to uh, reframe my my mindset around it. And uh, I'm doing some things right now, uh, getting back in the gym and doing some things to, to take care yes. of my, my physical and stuff like that. And and I know yeah, uh, in a previous segment uh, they were talking about that. You know, taking care of your body and. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I, lo I love what you're saying. That's re reframing your mind. You know, I also want to highlight something else that you uh, that you did that I think is super special. So whenever I do these uh, these interviews, I always ask a question and uh, because I, I want to highlight people. And, and I ask the question, you know, is there anything that you want us to help you promote? Do you have a book or a, a website or an event or a product or something that we can highlight for you? Is there anything that we can highlight for you? And he, and he answered the question, and I just loved his answer. It was so, so selfless. His answer was, God gets the promotion. To him be the glory. And I just love that because I'm, I'm like asking you, what can I do for you? And you're like, hey, it, it's not about me. Right. Jonathan, thank you for that answer, man. I really appreciate that. Man, that's huge. And, and everybody in this at this table, there's room for everybody at the table. Everybody at this table are lions. And they say that lions get more done before 9 a.m. than sheep get done all day. And I just want to encourage somebody out there with that. You're a lion. Let your song be heard. Let your voice roar today. Go and show people the power within you. You are the best version of yourself that was ever and ever will be created. God broke the mold. Man, I'm sorry. I get Don't emotional be. when I talk about this. Keep it coming, man. You're 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 touching lives, oh. man. Keep it coming. But with years of years of years of mental illness and self-hurt that I saw on the road from those lines that seemed to stretch as far as the eye could see, that just wanted to come and meet our band members and say you saved my life. I just feel heavy this morning that there's someone out there that's dealing with depression or anxiety or I'm not good enough or my success in comparison to John Doe or Jane Doe or the person to my left and right is not big enough success. 
God broke the mold with you. Our world needs you, whatever your name is. If you're struggling with this, fill in the blank on this confession. The world needs the best version of in your name. Out loud. And it's so powerful with our confessions, the enemy will flee. Oh, sorry about that. That's something no, so don't passionate apologize. with my heart. <laughs> Do not apologize, Jonathan. Wow, that is so that is so powerful. Say that again Ooh. with the fill in the blank. Say it again. I want to hear it again. I am the best version of blank. Put your name there, and the world needs me today. And it is so true. You speak confessions, and the enemy will flee, especially for those of you that are, and I don't want to pour out any kind of forceful faith on anybody. This is just out of love, but especially those that believe in the word of God to be true and the power of the gospel. Man, you read the word out loud out of your mouth, it has an exponential, more powerful element to it than just reading it with your eyes. So if you're struggling with anything, believer or not, go read some of the word out loud and the enemy will flee from your life. I'm Jonathan and I'm done speaking. Wow. Jonathan, wow, man. All right, so I, I've been saying um, with the, with this tournament, guys, that that I've been doing, that uh, it's it's like a talent show. Um, it literally, like, it is a talent show. Like, we brought Jonathan up here, superstar, just crushing it, um, dropping the mic all over the place, and and um, inspiring people, changing lives, literally saving lives. I, I feel like you're, I, I feel that you're you're saving somebody's life today with your words. I mean, Amen. so impactful. And uh, guys, I, I'm going to ask you something real quick. If you could do me a huge favor, uh, we got to get Jonathan's message out there all over the place. So go do me a big favor. Uh, give him a follow. Okay, give him a follow. I want to blow him up today. Uh, send him the DMs. Like if he made an impact, right? Like if something that he said to you made an impact, uh, I want you to send him a DM. Let him know. A lot of times, you know, I know for me at least, um, when I'm pouring myself out, I, I need that affirmation sometimes because uh, I, I just need to get filled back up. And sometimes when somebody will tell me, hey, your words made an impact, it, 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 you know, it's good to hear those things. So I'm sure if Jonathan probably feels the same way, send him a DM. Let him know that it made an yeah. impact. If, if it did, let him know. Yeah, man, if there is anybody out there that had an aha from anything I said this morning, it would mean the world to me if you'd take 30 seconds and send me a DM and tell me what your aha was from this morning and from Trevor and I's segment, because I would love to know what impacted you. It will help me to know my next audience what was impactful and how to pour into them. So if you had an aha this morning, shoot me a DM. And remember, I'm going to give anybody out there the confessions that I read out loud myself with my team every morning that are so powerful and life-changing in our world. And if you want that, send me a DM. Love that, Jonathan. Thank you so much for being here and being a champion. You are amazing. You're welcome on this stage anytime. Uh, and I will tell you guys as well, again, for those of you that don't know me too much, uh, my name is Trevor Houston, and I'm the host of the Who You Know Job Networking Show. Uh, I help job seekers get back to their cash flow, right? I help them get noticed, get out of the black hole. So if there's anybody in the audience right now that's seeking employment, right? Or maybe you just want to level up. Maybe you want to, you know, uh, reach some new levels of success and, and, and uh, make a transition in your career, something like that. Um, go to my Instagram bio. Uh, there's some information there to a free uh, career transition summit. I'd love to see you there. It's on Wednesdays. Uh, so we just had one yesterday. 
but it's every Wednesday. So I'd love to see you there. Go sign up for it. It is free 99, like we say to the community, free 99. Uh, but I really appreciate you, Jonathan, again. Thank you for this time. And now I'm going to hand it over to another amazing champion, the one, the only, Tim Story. Good morning, Tim. But, man, before we get excited about the next guest, Tim Story, let's talk about Jonathan's story and his testimony, right? And just amazing content of change. So, uh, Trevor, how did how did that impact you personally? It's very inspirational. I mean, and then at the end, you know, he got emotional and it, you know, it made me emotional. Like I, for me, I want to help him get that message out. So matter of fact, Jonathan, um, I'd love to have you on the Who You Know show. Uh, so let's connect for sure. And I'd love to love to have you, uh, you know, share more of that message uh, with our audience. I think it can lift some people up because I know our audience, a lot of them are feeling low. A lot of them, a lot of these job seekers that I'm messing with, they 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 feel low, they feel depressed, they may they may uh, need somebody to lift them up, and I think you're the man to do it. So I appreciate you. So Trevor, I think one, one of the things I'm loving that you're doing, Trevor, with Jonathan and and other people, is you're you're giving people an opportunity to tell their story, and you know we we hear this all the time that like you know your mess can you become your message. Your test can become your testimony, but it really is so true. And you know, if we if we hide in the shadows, that and don't really tell our story, there's a lot of people's lives that will not be changed the way they should be. And so, uh, I want to give you props uh, today, Trevor, for just doing what you're doing week after week. But tell us how much you're enjoying this space on Clubhouse that Glenn Lundy has allowed. How much? How much do you enjoy doing this? I love it. I absolutely love it. Like I was saying before, it's like um, what what we've put together here um, with the tournament is like a it's like a talent show. I, I'm literally, you know, these these folks like Jonathan got up here. Uh, they compete, right? They compete on a question. Uh, whoever gets the most votes wins and gets a 30 minute segment. And the interviews that have come out of this are like just amazing. I'm fine. It's a talent show. I'm, I'm discovering some just people that are just world changers and it's so much fun. And so it, it's been, it's been awesome. So I appreciate it. All right. We're changing hours and uh, I'm kind of going to stay on the same type of flow spirit, Trevor, that you've created here. And Glenn Lundy, are you out there today? Glenn has been on like a tour. I was watching his Instagram last night. And this morning, and I love I love Glenn, and uh, thank you for allowing me to be on on Thursdays at this time. And for some of you that helped me to moderate, usually thank you for helping me today. Okay, all right. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, this uncommon life that we've all been called to live. I want you just to think about this for a second. The word uncommon means not regular not normal it means also unique so the word unique as i studied it again this morning means one of a kind not regular not normal it means unique one of a kind so you've heard this saying if you haven't heard it before you should write it down that you've been born an original so don't die a copy you've been born an original 
don't die a copy. If you look at our school system, even starting with kindergarten, if you're not careful, you can find yourself acting common, talking common, <laughs> talking the same as everybody else. But really, that's not like your original voice. I had a friend, uh, a male friend from Eastern Europe that was with me last week in Miami because I'm back on this tour. You know, we, we have the Miracle Mentality book. And because of people like you, that has become a bestseller. Thank you very much. And so I was in Miami as part of this tour. And my friend from Eastern Europe, he said, it's so funny. He says, in certain parts of America, it seems like everybody kind of talks a lot alike. And, you know, there, there's, there's, some, there's some truth to that. And I think so many times that there's something in us that, that feels like we cannot be who God created us to be. And that is uncommon, not regular, not normal, and to be unique, one of a kind. So today you have unique gifts, unique talents. And if you don't step out in your own unique gifts, talents, ways, expression, then there's a lot of people's lives that will not be affected in the way that maybe somebody else would help them. I have a saying that says this, if you don't do something with life, life will do something with you. If you do not do something with life, life will do something with you. So I think that if you kind of just are dormant, stand still, and really don't become assertive in being who you are, that life will do something with you and you'll find yourself in your 20s and life has done something with you. Meaning you're like in a common job, in a common relationship that's, you know, really not working so well, in a common mindset. And you're living in what I teach around the world. You're living in the land of okay. You're living in the land of okay. So um, last few days, I did a real estate convention that was quite large um, just the other day in Dallas. Uh, last night, I spoke standing room only right across the street from Texas A&M. I'm in College Station. And why do all these people come to these types of meetings? Because nobody wants to get stuck in a common life a regular life when they know they're supposed to live a miracle mentality. A miracle is something supernatural, extraordinary, not regular, not common. A mentality is a state of mind, the way you see something. So the question is, what is your mentality? What is your mentality? Because whatever your mentality is, that is going to become your reality. Not just trying to rhyme right now, but whatever your miracle mentality is, is going to become your reality. If you don't have a miracle mentality, that's going to be your reality. Okay. So I'm going to teach for about eight minutes and then we'll open it up like we always do. There is actually a, a very cool book called The Prayer of Jabez. You have a tremendous opportunity to reinvent your dealership today, right now, and to not take advantage of it would mean that everything that you just went through and are going through was in vain. 
How about instead we build something new like Kevin did in Virginia who was up 37% in April or Mike in Wyoming who was up 90% in April or Bob in Kentucky who broke a 60 year record this past January. All of these dealers join the 800% club and together we continue to win. Listen, I've done this before. I've helped build a monster dealership from the inside out and now I want to build one with you. You and your team deserve it. So look, the time is now. It's time for you to protect your legacy. Head on over to 800EliteAutomotiveClub.com to learn more. And a lot of you have read it and people from all faiths have read this book, The Prayer of Jabez. And Jabez was a guy in the Old Testament and it says that he was honorable amongst his brothers and his mother named him Jabez saying, I gave birth to him in pain. It says, but Jabez cried out to God. He said, oh, that you would bless me, enlarge my territory, let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. So this prayer Jabez that came out several, several years ago became a bestseller literally around the world in all faiths because what happened is i think a lot of people feel like this guy jabez and somebody has a open mic thank you guys i think a lot of people feel like this guy jabez and this is a guy that was basically saying hey my mother had pain and as i studied it i found out she had emotional pain she had physical pain and she had pain in her mindset so during that time many times they would they would name their child based on their current condition so if they were joyful they would name the the child something having to joy if they if they felt courage they would name the child something about courage and could you imagine your name jabez meaning like pain like the mother saying, I was birthed in pain and now I pass on the pain to you. So I, I beg you to hear this today because I've been life coaching people for over 30 years and I've now been to 75 countries to the, uh, of the world. And um, if all works out with the pandemic and everything, I'll be in Greece coming up. I'll be in Bulgaria coming up as part of the Miracle Mentality Tour. I'm going to Sweden coming up. I'm going to Spain coming up. This is just all in the next few months. And I'll be talking about this idea of, of the uncommon life. And here's this guy, Jabez, that just says, hey, my mother was in pain and now she has passed the pain on to me. I wonder how many of you can identify with this, whether your father struggled in certain areas and he passed the pain on or your mother struggled and she passed the pain but then Jabez cries out to God now when it says to cry out to God it's actually a word where we get our word in a crazy way uh, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew the New Testament in Greek and in the New Testament when you talk about to cry out it's the word crazo which means to cry in a crazy way so i think sometimes you got to cry out to god in a crazy way so jabez cries out to god 
in a crazy way, like from, from an, his inner spirit that says, oh God of Israel, will you do me a favor? Will you take away this pain? He says, will you bless me? Which means something very, very interesting. Let me tell you actually what it means. It means, will you add more value to my life? Will you add more benefit to my life? Wow, wow, wow. He says, God, will you enlarge my territory? See, I think that a, a, a lot of you that are listening, you're, you're living in this little small area when life has called you to enlarge your territory. A guy said to me after my seminar last night, he said, did you ever think that like your type of speaking and the way you inspire people would draw this many people because he drove from 80 miles away to hear me talk last night. I said, you know, not at the beginning. I said, but the more I began to formulate my message, I realized that people needed this type of met message and they needed to be educated on how to get up and out. And what I'm saying is, I begin to enlarge my territory. I believe that even in June, that life is gonna enlarge your territory with your business, with your finances, with, with who you are and prospering you in different ways. There's a guy that I like named John Mayer and he's a singer and he has a song called Stop This, this Train, Stop This Train. And in the lyrics, he says, stop this train. I want to get off and go home again. I can't take the speed that my life is going in. Can somebody stop this train? And that's what Jabez was feeling like, man, I was birthed in pain. <laughs> They're calling me pain. Can somebody stop this train? I wonder if there's anybody listening right now that just says, can somebody stop this train? in the area of where my life is going, let's say in a negative way for a second. The word stop means to come to an end, to come to an end. So when I was a kid, and I talk about this in this book, The Miracle Mentality, um, coming from a family that was really fractured, uh, my mother's sixth grade education, uh, but struggled as a child, she started living on her own at 13 years of age. My father had a 10th grade edu education and he worked at a place called Bethlehem Steel. My mother worked at Winchell's, Winchell's Donut Shop. And we lived in pain. I mean, we had, we had seven people in a two bedroom apartment. We had seven people in a Volkswagen bug. And I'll never forget that we went to a place called Big Bear Mountain and you know, my dad did his best to make some Saturdays more exciting than the others. And we drove up in our car and we were watching people ski. And one of my sisters who at that time was now 14 said to all of us, how come we can't ski? And I'll never forget my mother said, people like us don't ski. And it wasn't like a racial thing. It was about an economic thing. It was about, you know, we're, we're stuck. You know, you, you, you have what you have and, and, and don't ask for anything more. And I remember my sister said out loud, well, I'm, I'm going to ski. And my mother did not like that at all. 
because what had happened in, in my mother's life, unfortunately, is that she was like Jabez. She was birthed in pain. She lived in pain. She talked about pain and she passed on her pain. And so my sister was basically saying, no, I wanna stop this pain. I want this pain to come to an end. All right, so Tim's story. How do we stop this pain? Number one, education. We educate ourselves like we are on these meetings and these times on Clubhouse. And thank you again, Glenn Lundy, for what you've provided. But we educate ourselves. We educate ourselves through books and how we can think different, do different, be different. We educate ourselves through podcasts, documentary, films. My goodness, all the material that is out there for us to educate ourselves that we could stop this train. The other way we educate ourselves is through observation and what we see. And the same sister that said, you know, I'm going to ski, she did, she did ski. And she skied a lot. And she became a very successful model first for many years and traveled the world as a model starting as a teenager and then a very successful interior designer. But I'll never forget, because we're talking about education, observation, how they can change you and stop the train. I remember she had a friend that came over to pick her up one day and I was at her house. I was now 14 years of age and she was 21. And this friend was quite successful. He was, I found out later, he was only like 33 years of age and he owned four different restaurants. and. He said, hey, Timmy, you want to go with us to go eat? It was in the daytime. I said, sure. And I thought, you know, that was kind of him. And we got in this big Mercedes. It was a black Mercedes, but a big sedan. I'd never been one in one in my life. And I'll never forget. He said, well, let me open the door for you. And he opened the door for me. And when he closed the door, it made this sound. Pa-poom. Pa-poom. And I remember saying to myself, one of these days, I'm going to get a car. <laughs> That when you close the door, it doesn't go, but it goes, pa-pum, pa-pum. And it was an observation. But then I, then I remember being in his car and he was playing classical music. And I thought, man, this guy's in some kind of weird zone, like this piece. And then we went to the restaurant and, and he helped me order. And he taught me about appetizers and different course meals. And he cared enough about me so that I didn't stay stuck in the position that I was in. So we learn through education, observation, but we also learn from conversation. And that's what we're gonna do here in just a moment. We're gonna dialogue with each other. Because I wanna find out, were you birthed in pain? How did you get through your pain? Was there a time in your life where you had an observation or as Oprah Winfrey says, an aha moment where you just said, you know what, this is not me. I'm tired of being tired, tired of being broke, tired of being regular, tired of being bloated, tired of being out of shape, tired of having a negative attitude. Was there a time in your life where you had an aha moment? And was there a conversation? This is what we talked about two weeks ago, if you remember. Was there a conversation that maybe you had that somebody said to you, you know what, you need to rise up. 
or maybe it was just in that conversation that you had with somebody that you thought, I'm going to rise up. So Jabez said, hey, I realize I'm birthed in pain, but I want to put an end to this. I want to stop it. I want this to come to an end. So then he prays this prayer of Jabez that you could actually find online. And again, this is what he says. He says, God, bless me, add value to me, benefit me, enlarge my territory. Again, I'm speaking to you guys. Some of you, your territory is going to do nothing but grow. June, July, August, September, October, November, December. It's going to grow. Enlarge my territory, my businesses. If you have children, enlarge their lives, your families. God, enlarge our territory. And then he says, God, put your hand on me. So, you know, God doesn't put his hand on you just for strength. But he also puts his hand on you that you will remember. If you go through the Bible, when God's hand is on somebody, that also means that it causes them to remember. God's hand can come through your prayer time, your meditation time, your study time, and even dialoguing like we are. God, put your hand on me. Keep your hand on me. Keep me from all harm. And he says, and free me from this pain. I want to tell you right now, the pain that I used to be in as a kid is not the pain that I carry today. It really is not. And then it says in this verse, and God granted his request. You know what's weird about life? It's one thing to dream the dream. It's another thing for the dream to happen. And I think that a lot of you, your dreams have come true. But guys, this is just part of your life. We're in 2021. Guess what's going to happen in 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28. Could you imagine the things that are going to continue to unfold for your life? So we're going to stop this train, put an end to it, and we're going to relabel ourselves. We're not just what we used to be. We're going to label ourselves as the people that we are. Uncommon, not regular, not normal, unique, bringing something beautiful to this world. Okay? All right, so let's open it up for what did you learn from what I just talked about? And maybe a time where you had an observation where you realized you needed to stop the pain in your own life. Or maybe a conversation you had with somebody that helped you. And maybe one of you can help me moderate this. And thank you very much. Hey, Tim, I got you back. Um, Tim, Barbara, right there in the red dress, she has a saying that the most important conversation you're going to ever have is the one you have with yourself. And that aha moment came for me in a very painful moment. But it made me realize that if you're going to get out of that situation, you're going to have to use your ability to respond which is your responsibility. But when I heard you talk about the Thanksgiving table way back, like a month ago, two months ago, and that crazy cousin staring at you. Oh saying, yeah. What does it feel like to walk on clouds? That stuck to me so hard that nothing, anybody else's weird energy never touched me again. It was like Teflon. So I appreciate that too. Yeah. So Alpha, um, let me just talk about this with you for a second, because you know, this, this, 
this prayer of Jabez that became so popular around the world of, of all faiths, because I was doing some research on it yesterday again, is that he realized he was in pain, but his mother had passed the pain on. But he knew that that did not fit. Was there ever a time in your life where you felt like, man, I am living at a lower level than I'm supposed to, and this does not fit? Oh yeah, like when I was six years old, I looked around where I was at. And I was like, "There's no way I'm living in California," and everyone laughed and thought I was just like, "What are you gonna be a movie star, make music? What are you gonna do?" Psh, I almost did all of it so far. Like you said, we ain't seen nothing yet, but that was it for me. I just looked around the environment and instantly knew I did not fit. It was not a love thing. It was like I, me, this person, do not belong here, and I did whatever it took to get out of here. Yeah, and then Jabez says this. He cries out to God. Sometimes you got to cry out in a crazy way, man. Some of you guys don't 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 be afraid to tell your creator how you really feel. But then he says, "God bless me. Add value. Add more benefit." And and I think that that's what's happening to all of us that are listening. That that God is, you know, He's already valued you. But you know, you could have more. You could have more value, more benefit, more anointing, more strength. Uh, somebody told me last night, they said, my God, Tim, I've been watching you speak for 25 years, but what is on you? Man, I'm in a, I'm in a whole different zone. You know why? Because the world is, has been in a pandemic. Man, I'm trying to lift people up from a minimized position. All right? Who wants to talk? Uh, help me out with this, Alpha. Hey, all right. Hey, I got Tim. Michael right here. Hey, Tim. Good morning. Good morning um, to you. Lisa sends her love too. Um, I just, I just want to say that when you were speaking, I wrote down a couple of things and I grew up in a family of uh, a generation of a generational curse of alcoholism, Cur you know, great grandfather, grandfather, father. And, um, I wasn't about to go down there. I was also told I'd never graduate from high school, never go to college, never be an athlete at a high level. And I did all of that. I went to college. I have multiple degrees now. I was just nominated for a PhD last year, four-year letterman at Ohio State in athletics. But even now, later, after reading your book, and I, I it's so funny that you bring up Jabez because I just went back this last week reading that when I was on the plane. It just popped in my spirit that confirmed a lot of the miracles that are happening in my life. And Tim, I just want to say thank you for challenging me years ago at Thrive when you challenged me to be better and you challenged me to step into my greatness. And then I read your book and list, read it first once and then listened to it the second time. And God is manifesting these miracles. He's bringing people in my life that we hope that we could ever have in our life. And God said that the latter days of my life would be greater than the former days of my life. And when I look at your example, Tim, I get a little bit emotional because I'm watching what you're doing. Your latter days of your life are becoming the better days of your life. And I think now, um, I, I, my wife and I were weeping yesterday, just looking at how God is orchestrating our lives now, because we've pushed through, like pushing through just to grab the hem of God's garment. And God says, ask, seek, and knock. He doesn't just say tap on, your, on the door. He says, knock. And that cry that you said, cry out, add more benefit, enlarge my territory. So... I'm going to ask, I'm going to seek, I'm going to knock, and I'm going to cry out. So thank you, Tim. I, I love that, Michael. And and the thing is, uh, Alpha, when he says he went to Ohio State and played sports that many years, that's a big deal. And you guys, don't be afraid to tell the truth about yourself. 
that's that's not pride. That's 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 your reality. And so I shout out to you, Michael, for even doing that. But this book, The Miracle Mentality Alpha, tell them why it's helping people and how they can get it. So the Miracle Mentality came out a couple months ago and when it launched right here in Clubhouse uh, between Grant Cardone and a lot of great people, it sold 20,000 copies, I think, that night. Maybe even more, I'm sure it happened in, even more. In one, in one night. In one night, right? But that's not all. It actually has the power to do what it says it would do. I remember as I was reading the book, a bunch of miraculous things started happening, or at least I was aware that they were happening because I had the knowledge behind things that, I mean, I'm just looking at it happening. I'm like, wow, what is going on right now? Hey champions, guess what? The Breakfast with Champions podcast airs live every single day, 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. only on the Clubhouse app. So make sure to download Clubhouse and go check out Breakfast with Champions. You're not going to regret it. See you there. So I bought the audio book. It's Tim actually reading the audio book. Bought the Kindle book. Because sometimes I'm standing in line at Target and I'm just bored. I'm like, you know what? This would be a good time to read. Also the physical hard copy. Bought the copy for other people. That's what you do when you care about people, right? You don't just buy the book for yourself because then you're going to have a one-sided conversation. It's you trying to tell everybody. But when your friend has the book and you have the book, you can have a discussion about the book. So in other words, go to Amazon.com, get the book. Go to Target, get the book. Barnes & Noble's, get the book. Whatever you do, get the book. If you're an audible book. Okay, so what are, we, what are we learning today? We're talking about uh, living up to who you really are. And was there a time where you had an observation or conversation where you realized, man, I need to rise up? We were talking about Jabez how he was birthed in pain, and he wanted to put a stop to it. To stop means to come to an end. He wanted to stop something to start something. Ooh, that was good. Man, sometimes you got to stop something to start something. You got to stop a relationship to start the right relationship. Stop the wrong job to get in the right job. Stop the wrong diet to get on the right diet. All right, Alpha, who's next? Uh, I see Monica has a mic open, so I'll go with Monica, then Lolita. Thank you, Alpha. Thank you, Tim. Boy, oh boy, I always end up in the rooms I need to be in. Interesting that you brought up Jabez, Tim, because many years ago when I was still in the organizing and productivity world, I was hired by a company to come in and help them do some things. And the company was the company of Bruce Wilkinson, who wrote the book, The Prayer of Jabez. And I had never heard of it before. And boy, that was my first introduction to that concept of asking. And Michael just mentioned Matthew 7, 7, 8, which says, ask, seek, knock. God tells us over and over again, ask. And what I, to answer your question, when you said the phrase people like us, your mother said people like us don't ski. I think so many of us grew up in families where the phrase people like us, even though it may not have been uttered in those words, it was demonstrated in the lives and in the actions and beliefs and how that manifests is that we don't see what's possible we don't even realize we can ask for more we don't even realize that there is more available to us and so we drive around the world looking at other people and seeing them as if they are in a painting and that we are outside the painting but what's really cool is when you surround yourself with people like in this room who are enlarging 
your mind and, and helping you improve yourself, you begin to see what's possible. And my personal transformation came when I started pushing my body physically. When I pushed my body past where I thought I couldn't go, my mind also started thinking about where else can I go? What else is possible? And I ended up ending my marriage and uh, completely starting my life over again after 25 years with a with who, a man who was a wonderful, good man. But you learn to ask for what you want. And sometimes it's later in life. God bless it. But I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled that I can. And it really is the difference between generational mindset poverty and generational mindset wealth. I'm Monica and I'm complete. That's a great share, Monica. And I just started following you. Uh, I like I like your tone, your voice, your spirit. So we were talking about this prayer of Jabez having to do with the miracle mentality. And it says that he was birthed in pain. And then it says, but Jabez cried out to God, oh, would you bless me, enlarge my territory, let your hand be with me, keep me from harm so I could be free from pain. And then it says, and then God granted his request. So it's not just the, the cry of God help me, but then God granted his requests. So that's a trippy thing. I think sometimes we, we pray these prayers like they're not going to happen. Um, I'm going to Sweden, as I said earlier, and this will be my 68th trip to Sweden. 68th. And my crowds are anywhere from four, five, seven, eight thousand people in Sweden. And come on, man, a kid from Compton and been to Sweden now, this will be like trip 68. What is that about? That is about being blessed, just like you are, where God adds value, benefits, but he enlarges your territory. You better get ready to get a bigger shopping cart. Again, some of you are going through life with a little tiny shopping cart. You better Costco size your 221 shopping cart because God is enlarging your territory. And it's not just for you. It's for you to be blessed, to be a blessing with your knowledge, your insight, your gifting, your spirit, your productivity that could really change an entire family. All right, Alpha, who's up next? Hey, Tim, we got Lolita up next. Hey, Tim. Hey, Alpha and family. You know, this is so good. And as you continue to talk, it's just so powerful and it just speaks. It's a reminder that, you know, this train that you talked about, and I oftentimes say this, but the train, I loved it because you talked about stop. Be okay with stopping your train. And then what if we were the conductor aboard that train, right? And what if we decided, in your words, to push past the mundane, to push past the messy, to drive past so that you can become this miracle in motion. And I just think it's just so phenomenal to be reminded of conversations that folks have had with us in our lives and how our words have impacted others and help people to see that miracle mentality. So my conversation that happened in my life that I'll never forget and I always talk about is when I was in business school and I was getting my MBA. When I was on a leadership team thinking I'm doing the biggest, baddest thing ever inside of my CPG company doing really big things. And my professor came to me and she said, Lolita, you're good. I love where you're going. You're good. She said, but your voice, I hear it, but you haven't yet found your voice. And it shook something in me and reminded me about the train, about stopping, about assessing, about 
opening up the doors and allowing blessings to come into you, allowing yourself to open up to these endless possibilities that are there, right? And I remember that jolt inside of me, kind of like how you were just speaking right now, that thing inside of you that's wrestling for us to think bigger and badder, like Costco size it. I love that you said that. What if we were able to open up the doors and allow the blessings to flow in for that miracle mentality such that we then allow toxicity those folks that are not on our train to see the miracle that we see that are stuck in the mundane and the messy, right? That are stuck right there. What if we let them off of our train so that then we can move forward? And I just love it. So that's my conversation that the conversation that touched my life and shifted it forever. And then I'm, you know, from people talking to me, I know that I've shifted them and just the power in it is just so amazing. So may we just remember that conversations matter your words matter. And when we shift our mentality, then we then shift action, be open to the blessing. So thank you so much, Tim, for that. Lolita, that was powerful. And we, we love Lolita. We love her voice. We love her content. But I like what you said, that when you make that choice to stop something means to come to an end. And we started, because some of you guys come on late. I, I quoted a John Mayer song that I like called Stop This Train. He says, stop this train, I wanna get off and go home again. I can't take the speed that my life is going in. Uh, can somebody stop this train? And I'm telling you, I think we've all been there before. You, you could be in a relationship that's not working, but you feel like, doggone it, like I can't get off, you know? Or you're in a job that's not working, or you're in a body that's not working. You're physically just not right, and you feel like you have a hard time getting on the right uh, regimen or even physically with, with, with fitness or depression or anxiety or addiction, guys, we can stop the doggone train. And one way we do that is through the power of partnership. Don't ever forget this statement. When you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived because you're deceived. So, you know, I life coach a lot of entertainers that are, that are deceived but they didn't know they were deceived because they're deceived. <laughs> and so they'd be like, no, I'm good. Like, I would be like, you're really not. <laughs> when you're hurting everybody around you, that's probably not being good. So one of the ways to stop the train is to partner with the right people. And that's what we're doing this morning on Clubhouse Breakfast with Champions. Thank you, Glenn Lundy, again, for providing the space. And Alpha, who is up next? Up uh, next, we have uh, John Mayer. Hey, Alpha, I like to pop in. It's Bernita. But Alpha, how cool was that? Before you say something, Bernita, that was very cool. I didn't even know you could pull that off on Clubhouse. That was super cool. And John, thanks for showing up on my Clubhouse. That was cool. <laughs> a miraculous alpha. Phil, you talked about how miracle mentality just pointed out the stars right there on the spot. Because John, John likes me, but I didn't know he was going to show up this morning. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bernita, I want to take a moment to uh, acknowledge Miss Sharon Lecter right here on the stage before we move on. Good morning, Sharon. Welcome to the breakfast table. Uh, all right, Bernita, 
But Alpha, right, before yeah. before you just, you know, I'm going to ask Thank Sharon you so much. Maybe. Happy to be here. Always love and appreciate my friend Tim Story. But uh, Vernita's going to share. But Sharon, if you're open after, maybe you can you can say something about this idea of how we can stop the insanity. We can stop where we're headed negatively, because in my in my opinion, truly, and again, guys, when I say this, don't take it lightly. When you go to all these countries that I go, go to, I get to meet the best of the best, the best speakers, psychologists, psychiatrists. I get to visit places like Nassau and get around all these brainiacs. Sharon Lecter is one of the best minds we have on the planet right this moment. All right. So, Vernita, go ahead. No, thank you. Thanks for that, Tim. And thank you, Alpha. And absolutely, uh, Sharon, uh, I, I have to say thank you to Sharon as well. She tapped in with me very early as we met here on Clubhouse. And, and Sharon, know that I look forward to uh, following up so that we can continue to build our relationship. It's been awesome. I really appreciate you. And uh, Tim, this has been an outstanding conversation this morning. I'm committed to having an uncommon life. And uh, as you talked about parents, I thought it was really profound that at such a young age, the story around the conversation with your family, your mother saying people like us and your sister having a, a rebuttal to that. You know, I didn't have a rebuttal as a teenager. You know, I really internalized the limiting beliefs that were passed on to me from my parents, particularly from my mom when it came to money and finances. And so, you know, just to share to the room how critical it is that we be aware of what messages are being given to us and that we have an opportunity to reparent ourselves and to rewrite those scripts that we might have picked up when we were children. So even though I you know, come from two-parent professional household, my mother was the first African-American woman to be admitted and graduate from the University of Buffalo Dental School and then went on to be the first African-American woman to open her own dental practice in Western New York, I still received messages from her like, well, Vernita, as I talk about my journey to financial freedom, well, Vernita, if you get success and earn all that money, don't you feel that you'll be taking away from someone else? Today, I can say, no, mom, I, I believe that it's an abundant universe with more than enough for everyone. Or being told things like, if I say I'm working on financial freedom, my mother's saying there's no such thing. And so I have to, so now I'm able to better understand that there were traumas that my mother experienced, particularly, and both of my parents are originally from New Orleans, grew up in the South in the 50s, 60s, that uh, now it is my responsibility to reframe the way that I look at uh, my journey for success as a business owner and my journey to financial freedom, I can let go of all of those limiting beliefs and I can work on my uncommon life. So I just wanted to add that for anyone in the room, be mindful of the messages that we internalize from our parents and otherwise. Vernita does speaking from the moment. Vernita, so good. And I love that word rebuttal. I, I don't use that word, but I wrote it down because I'm going to study it out because I like, I like that. It's like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to challenge these words that maybe my parents are saying or my teachers are saying or my husband's saying or my wife is saying <laughs> sometimes man you gotta you gotta have a rebuttal you gotta set up the boundaries uh sharon let's dialogue a little bit about this if you don't mind you you know this the, the thing about jabez we've talked about this before 
he talks about that he was birthed in pain, but he cries out to God, oh, that you would bless me, enlarge my territory. And I think, Sharon, a lot of people feel like they're just stuck and that, and that life cannot enlarge the territory. Can you help us with this idea of how we can get unstuck? Well, thank you, Tim. As you well know, I've shared this with you before, before every interview, everything I do every single day, I say the prayer of Jabez because um, it does allow you to take it, get yourself out of the way. Um, and to what Bernita was saying, so many times we, we get stuck because we have these blinders on that were put on to us as we were growing up as children. Certainly as it relates to, to money, we hear things like money doesn't grow on trees, save for a rainy day, pinch your pennies, we can't afford it. So we, go, we grow up with this concept of money negative, money negative, money negative. And so we develop these blinders and this fear, fear of money. And then once we get some money, we end up, we're afraid we're going to lose it. And I think we, we, own, we don't know what we don't know. And once we can start exposing our children, that's why I'm so passionate about getting financial education into the school, to the fact that if you look back and see that that's what happened as a child, you can say, okay, release it. I, I don't need to be, I don't need that blinder on anymore. I need to open my mind to the possibilities instead of saying, we can't afford it, which is negative and it closes your mind and you want to get under the covers and hide away. Instead, you say, how can I afford it? Same thing with your children. If you say that to your child, they get very creative in coming up with ways to afford it because it opens their mind. It triggers their entrepreneurial spirit and they will find a way and usually quite innovative. But for as humans, as people, we tend to stay underneath the blinders. And when, and when you are fearful, you look down. And when you can replace that fear with faith, the blinders can go away and you can look up and you'll see the opportunities that were there for you all the time. And that, that's what the prayer of Jabez does for me, is open me to the fact that I'm giving up human control and asking for to be the the messenger um, for a higher power. I love that. You know, Sharon, if we could talk about this just for a minute, is this idea of enlarge my territory. And because we're such good friends, we, we, we talk behind the scenes. And, you know, for, for you to write so many best-selling books, I, I still keep uh, one of your books, it's literally right next to my bed. So I'm thinking about, you know, who you are, what you do on a daily basis when I'm home. And, but, you know, when you thought about enlarging your territory, did you ever think it could get is as big as it is now and the impact that you've had and continue to have over these years? Did you even have an inkling that this could happen? No. Um, going through school, I think I started off wanting to be a fourth grade math teacher, and then I decided I wanted to be a geneticist. And then my eighth grade English teacher told me I was going to be a famous writer, and I thought she was crazy because I wanted math. And then I had a um, college um, house mom that told me I was going to be on stage. Um, again, thought she was crazy because I was so focused on becoming an accountant and being in public accounting, being one of the first women in public accounting. 
But I also was raised in a home with parents, you know, I'm very fortunate that said I could do and be anything I wanted to be. And so there, I did not have the, um, the negativity that many kids have. And I also just kept asking myself, why not? Why not do what, what's next? And raised in a home when every night my dad would ask me, have you added value to someone's life today? And so I think if you place yourself in a position of service and giving, and certainly there's someone stronger with that than you, Tim, um, the world opens up because you you become a magnetic. People want your light because you're there to support. And when you have, I mean, just think about it. Would you consciously choose to be with somebody that's depressed or somebody that's happy and giving? And so when you can adopt that philosophy in your own life and be giving of nature, um, exude lightness and positivity, you will attract others. And I think, um, I mean, yes, I've been blessed with success, but it, you know, you're, you're constantly in a state of, of giving and being open to what else can I do? I love it. And, um, Sharon also has a very handsome husband who is a good friend of mine. <laughs> Sharon, um, what do you have? Just tell me one project that we could follow. Number one, make sure everybody follow her on Clubhouse right now, if you guys can do that. And Alpha will tell you even more about that once she's off. But also follow her on all social media. But Sharon, tell us one thing you're you're excited about that you're working on now and how we can get involved. Jack came forward has increased its sales by over 136%. My name is Travis Flaherty. We have seen over 55% increase in sales. And Jeremy Nowling here. We finished our month off at not even a 20% increase, but a 30% increase. Hey guys, Jean-Paul Guidry here. Now I've experienced massive increases of 156%, collectively 125%. My name is Kevin Strasnader. We went an increase of 50%. 50%, we went from 50 units to 75 units. We had a 39% growth in volume. This stuff works! I'm Glenn Lundy, creator of the 800% Club. The results that we've been getting out of the 800% Club are ridiculous. Everything that you just heard all happened in the first 90 days. So I wanna open this up, helping more dealers across the country. We're now enrolling for 800% Club members. So look, the time is now. It's time for you to protect your legacy. Head on over to 800EliteAutomotiveClub.com to learn more. Well, thank you, Tim. You are so wonderful. I appreciate that. I came to listen this morning, not to promote, but I appreciate it because it just happens to be in another week we're releasing um, exit rich and people can get it early if they go wow. to, yeah, go to exitrichbook.com forward slash buy B U Y. It's on, I have the link on my bio in clubhouse exitrichbook.com forward slash buy. And it is, um, Steve Forbes says goldmine for entrepreneurs Inc magazine has picked it up under their imprint. I'm very proud of it. It's my 26th book. And it really does help people understand the difference between owning a business and owning a job. And I want people to take their successful businesses, make them sustainable, scalable, and saleable if they want, but at least make it a economic engine that works for you, that helps you create long-term 
wealth that you can serve and help many, even more people turn that success into significance by giving back. So exitrichbook.com forward slash buy. And okay, I so let's all, get, let's all get that and buy it for somebody else. And then Sharon, um, I'll get with your team and I will push, push, push that because we've dialogued about that. And I was just talking to an insurance man last night who does well here in Texas in the area of insurance. And most people do not exit rich people. They do not think about that. So make sure get this book, but get it for somebody else. And Sharon, thanks for taking time to dialogue today because I know you were just listening. Well, thank you, Tim. Always there to support you. I always look for Thursday morning because I know you're going to be here. And uh, I appreciate you. My heart is full. And thank all of you for being here and listening. And um, thank you, Glenn, for making this space. And thank you, Tim, for always being a, a guiding light. Beautiful. Okay, life is good. That was Sharon Lecter. Wow, wow, wow. But get that book, Exit Rich. And um, we were talking at an event that we did. We went on a tour to, to many cities together and just to dialogue with her and her husband really is my friend. And, you know, cause the, like, you know, a lot of times we're just thinking about the here and now, but man, we want to exit in a way where we lay up for our children's children. If you don't have children uh, that you lay up for other people that we exit in power. So Alpha, uh, tell us who's next. We have eight minutes left in my session. Eight minutes left. Right, the eight-minute uh, warning. Okay, before we do that, if you just join us, you're on Breakfast with Champions and Millionaire Breakfast Table. Right now, we have international best-selling author and speaker, coach to the stars, Mr. Tim's story. His new book, The Miracle Mentality, is available everywhere books are sold. Make sure you get a copy of that. And while he's here on the stage, click on his face, follow Tim's story, Click that bell so you'll always know when he's speaking in other places. Miss Sharon Lecter just let you know she has a new book, Exit Rich, coming out very soon. And if you go on her link right now, you can get it for yourself and a friend and a friend and a friend. And if you don't know who she is, go to the number one bestselling in business and you'll always see Rich Dad Poor Dad. If you haven't read that book, I don't know what you're doing with your life. Go buy that book also. Okay, Tim, let's acknowledge something real quick. We have a young lady on this stage that you spoke to about a month ago. She's wearing a cap and gown, and a lot of people are wearing cap and gowns right now. So uh, let's acknowledge these graduates. Okay, I like it. Layla, congratulations. Hi. Thank you so much. Congratulations, congratulations. Layla. Congratulations, congratulations. 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 Layla. Get it, Queen. Wonderful. Thank you. Congratulations, Mila. All right, Tim. So next we have Chris, and then we're going to move up to Lauren with the white headphones. We call it Fade Fop around here. Yes. Warming up, Chris. I just called on you. Good morning. How's everyone doing today? Good. Um, just You guys just all realize we got six minutes. So try to make your shares like about two minutes, and then we can get four people in. All right. Give it yes. to us. Yes, thank you so much. Um, I think that um, my question, I guess, for you is, Tim, and I've been talking to a number of different people about this and dealing with and feeling in a lot better of a space. But when it comes to um, money mindset, I know your background and a lot of what you a lot of what you've been through. And I know this is a part of your book as well. But can you just share again, like 
what is it or what specific steps did you take in order to, um, I don't know if you struggle with the poverty mindset, but how did you overcome that? And what steps did you take as an entrepreneur to achieve your biggest goals? Like, let's say you've been successful, but you're trying to reach your new level of success. Okay, that's a great question. So I'll tell you briefly. It was it was when I was younger, and I saw like these little guys. They had a lemonade stand, and then the more I began to study them, they were out there like on Saturdays and Sundays, during like June, July, August, and found out they were making money doing the lemonade stand. Then I had another neighbor; he had a gardening business, and the kid was twelve, and he was cutting neighbors' lawns. So really, a lot of it was observation. And then conversation. And as people uh, got around me, as I got older, I started asking them about investment, how they invest, how they do. And so that's one thing about me, even though people think, oh, he's Tim's story, there's a lot of stuff I don't know. There's a lot of stuff I don't know about Bitcoin. There's a lot of stuff I don't know about current currencies that I'm not too proud to ask. So make sure and ask and make sure and pay attention, and we grow from each other, and wisdom begets wisdom, okay? Who's up next? That was a great question. Hey, Tim, we got Lauren, aka Faye Five. She's up next. Hey, Tim, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here. I actually have a whole segment after you, so I'm gonna give my opportunity to someone else because I know we only got four minutes. And Sharon, I am blowing you up after this and, and getting all of your information. I'm gonna try to push your your book and your message and all of your amazing resources out, especially to my family. They are a, uh, a beehive of limiting beliefs. So I wanna thank you so much for what you're doing. This is Faith Five, Lauren Lavender, I'm done speaking. Okay, but before you get off so quickly, what are you talking about next hour? So let's promo your next hour so everybody stays. Thank you, Tim, so much. We are actually going to talk about why the golden rule is wrong. We're going to talk about what the rule really should be and the correct way to treat people so that we all feel respected and treated well in return. There you go. Stay on. And I want to just give a shout out, Alpha, to my friend Zane. Zane is uh, an amazing man. He's a strong businessman up in Northern California. And we are launching a new business in August together. And this business is going to help a lot of people. It's going to help insure people. Can we bring Zane on just for two minutes? It's your two minutes. So knock it out, Zane. Hey, Alpha. Um, hey, Tim. I'd rather concede my time to everybody on the floor. That's mean, I just entered the room very late. And Glenn, Scott, everybody, thanks for having me up. But I would like to offer something, by the way. And this is not for any reason. Tim, your book, anybody wants in this room, I'll mail it to them for free. Just DM me your address, your book, I'm going to mail it free. Thank you, Tim. Uh, you're such a giver, such a giver. One profound question, after you're done, you can say, do you give even if somebody's giving you pain and hurt? Do you still give to that person? This is Zane, I'm complete. Tim, I love you. Did you just hear what he said, Alpha? He said, if somebody wants the Miracle Mentality book, to DM him, and he will send them the book. I heard For free, it. at no cost. I at no cost. no cost. You know, Tim's small head just swinging big doors, and he was in that 30 seconds, made a and huge impact. Just Zane, Zane don't play. Believe me, I've been, I've been up to Zane's world. I flew up there, 
a couple weeks ago <laughs> because I knew I was about to get myself involved with somebody that wants to help change the world. So we, 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 we've created a new company. Alpha, wait till you hear about this one. It's going to help a lot of people. So make sure, take Zane up on that. That was very kind. And here's what I want to say. If somebody has created pain in your life, you have to understand what maybe somebody did to them because hurt people hurt people. So I don't think you should instantly try to go back and connect with them. Sometimes you need a little bit of distance. So you need some boundaries. Okay. But you have to make sure that you do not curse them in your mind, that you do not stay offended in your mind, but you are fair, firm, and friendly. But there could be a time that you come back and be a blessing to that person or persons. That's happened many times in my life. Whenever you do big things, the dark side is going to send somebody to try to hurt you. All right? One more Amen person. That. One more One person. More. We got Miss Renee here in the red dress. Tim, she's doing 30 days of fashion. The other day she had one of the leaders of cool in the game on the stage. I know you're going to like her because you love fashion. I Go do. Ahead, Renee. Thank you so very much, Alpha. And thanks again to Glenn, as well as the, um, the entire family of champions that always knows how to deliver. And Tim, it's always amazing to have you here with us on Thursdays. So I want to pour this into you because I know for sure leaders always have to have that growth mindset. And I know for sure that's what you do every day. But I have to, I want you um, to share with us, because you always have to stay at that peak high level of energy, what do you do in order to keep your level of vibration up? This is Renee, and I can't wait to hear from you, Tim. I think, no, number one, it's a great question, and I'll finish this up literally in two minutes. I think that I have an unusual uh, advantage where people like Les Brown and I talk sometimes several times a week. Either I call him or he calls me. A Sharon Lecter, we talk a lot. So I get to talk to a lot of people that most people cannot get to. And I think that at the level that life has given us and God has given us, that we encourage each other. And, you know, iron sharpens iron. But I just don't learn from the Oprah's, the Steve Harvey's, the Les Brown's, the Sharon Lecter's. I learned from the Domino's pizza guy. I, I learned from the, the guy the other day that came to do my gardening. He was sharing some really neat things that he had he had been learning. So I'm always open to learn from somebody who is under the spout where the wisdom comes out. And when you are spending time with the things of God, you are under the spout where the wisdom comes out. And that's what I do. I like to get with people who are flowing in divine wisdom. What an hour. Alpha, what is next? What's the next hour? All right, Tim Story. Thank you for joining us here on Breakfast with Champions. Stick around if you can, but I know you're a busy man all over the place. Make Thank sure you, you follow Tim. Tim's story. Make sure you get Tim's story's book. Next, we have Laura Faye Five. And Laura, if you don't mind, I want to play just a snippet of the song, Stop This Train, to play you in. Stop this train. Get off and go home Take it away, Lauren. Wow. Thank you so much, Alpha. And thank you so much, everyone, for a fantastic morning. I am really humbled and grateful to be a part of this table in general, but, you know, in particular today, 
I feel completely aligned mentally. And I know it's because of the incredible segments that were laid out before me. We got to hear Joy and Dr. Janie open the dialogue about mental health and creating psychologically safe spaces for us to share how we're doing, how we're really doing. And then we got to hear from Justin and Amanda who dove deeper into asking the right questions to get the right answers and how to actually dig deeper and deeper. And then we got to hear from Jonathan and Trevor who dove into a seriously impactful story from Jonathan. And then of course, Mr. Tim's story and Sharon came in and helped us open our eyes again to the miracle mentality, conquering limiting beliefs and how to share your light of support. And now I wanna serve the last course of our breakfast table meal with relatable and impactful ways that we can all adopt right now to improve the way we treat people and get treated in return. The word treat means to behave toward or deal with in a certain way, but it also means a gift. It's a treat, it's special and deserves to be treated like a gift. And we're better to start talking about this than the infamous golden rule. And shout out to Glenn, because I know he's done a whole talk regarding this too, but I need to dive into it again and bring a second serving of perspective because it just resonates so well with our conversation today. You've heard of it, you've adopted it, you know everyone around you knows what it is and has adopted it too. But I'm here to tell you that the golden rule is actually what is wrong with the way we treat each other today. And here's why. For those of you who haven't been introduced to it, the golden rule simply states, treat people the way you want to be treated. It has the best of intentions. It says, hey, you like to be treated with empathy, respect, and compassion, right? Cool, then treat everyone that way too, and then we can all dance into the sunset and live our best lives. The idea is that we will eradicate negativity, jealousy, envy, any sort of negativity ever, because we are treating people with the respect that we hope others will treat us with in return. But there are a few key things that are wrong with this rule. And reason number one is it comes from a self-centered outlook. It says so right there in the definition. Treat people the way I want to be treated. It assumes that everyone wants to be treated like you. It assumes that everyone wants what you want. It assumes that everyone has the same needs, desires, and lacking the same things, so we might as well treat each other the exact same way. But above all, the golden rule leaves out one key person in the equation, the other person that we are treating. Nowhere in the golden rule does it take into account the most celebrated quality that we all share but hold differently, and that's diversity and context. The golden rule does not highlight diversity, equity, or inclusion. Instead, it highlights a single person reigning what they believe to be the best for everyone and pushing those beliefs and actions onto other people with the hope of getting something back in return. And reason number two, it neglects context. If I were to treat everyone the way I wanted to be treated, it would go a little something like this. I would call every single person I know, wake them from their slumber, tell them how amazing they are, pour into them and tell them that they're beautiful, that they're loved, that they are important in all the incredible ways that they are. I would shower them in flowers, I would praise them until they were unfazed, and I would tattoo I freaking love you across their foreheads so that they have to read it first thing every single morning. And as sweet and as positive as that is, I can tell you one thing right now, not everyone wants me to do that. In fact, most people don't. 
most people would hate getting a phone call from me every single morning telling them how amazing they are. It's probably really disrupting to their day. It's probably really inconvenient since it makes them stop what they're doing, like perhaps sleeping, and forces them to do something else that may actually take away from the things that produce self-love and self-care or a special moment that they have just for themselves. And perhaps some people really don't want a tattoo of I love you on their forehead. As loving as this morning mantra sounds, this is not what everyone needs to feel loved, appreciated, or important. And if I just assume that I know all the answers on how everyone wants to be treated, I miss out on figuring out what they actually do need to feel loved and appreciated. If I were to treat every single person the way I wanted to be treated, I would be lacking the crucial context of figuring out what it is that they individually need to feel loved. For example, have you ever received a gift from someone that clearly they loved, but you weren't totally pumped about it? Like a band t-shirt that you know for a fact is the giver's favorite band, but you can barely name a song or a band member? Or have you ever been hugged by someone when you really didn't want a hug because you are not really an affectionate kind of person? Or perhaps you've given a gift and someone returned it and you thought, wow, what a jerk, instead of, oh, maybe that didn't resonate with him and perhaps I should try harder to figure out what they do like. This is not your fault. This is not the giver's fault. It's the golden rule's fault. And that is because the golden rule does not require us to figure out and ask the question, what is something that I can do to make this individual person feel loved and appreciated? And reason number three, it assumes we automatically understand someone. Just because you are the way you are, it does not mean you understand the way another person is. Even if you two have the same DNA, even if you two are best friends, even if you two have worked together for 30 years and you have a ton in common, you don't understand someone until you get to know them. The golden rule assumes that we already understand everyone around us. Why? Because we're assuming that everyone wants to be just like us and be exactly the same. The problem is that is not true. Not everyone wants to be treated the same. In fact, every single person has individual wants, their own recipes to feel loved, and formulas to feel cared about. And by not edifying our differences and inviting others to feel loved, we are canceling out qualities that we don't like in people and holding on to the qualities that we do like and only resonate with. When we assume we understand everyone, we oversee and ignore qualities that we don't recognize in other people that could potentially be groundbreaking for us to see and hear that could make us more empathetic, compassionate, and understanding. Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, Five Simple Steps to an Extraordinary Morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. They say birds of a feather flock together. But have you ever seen those shows called Unlikely Animal Friends, where all of a sudden you see a bird on a rhino's back and you think, oh shoot, that rhino is about to eat that bird. But then lo and behold, they're actually just living their best lives and playing in the mud. You are lying if you tell yourself that's not the cutest, most amazing thing on the planet. Or when you see an elderly person and a child that are actually best friends, they're making TikToks together, eating lunch together, playing together, 
They come from two different lifetimes, yet they're inseparable and have the greatest connection. Why are these not so likely friends able to have these outstanding relationships? Because they see the good in the other person. They don't see themselves physically. They are seeing the other person, who they are authentically, and seeing who they are deep inside. They only see what the other person has to give and they don't just flock to the other bird that looks and acts just like them. They take the time to understand the other person and to celebrate them as them without anything in return, except for an unconditional bond and friendship that outlasts eternity. If we treat everyone the same, we attract only the same. And we miss out on the wonderful differences that other people have to offer and miss out on eternity. We miss being able to celebrate and connect with others who may not look, talk, walk, or act like us, and we fail to really see and hear each other. It's our responsibility to ask, how would this person like to be treated so that they can feel like their absolute best selves? What gift can I give them in this moment that will make them feel like a treat? How can I treat them like their best selves? Is it just asking like we did today with Joy and Dr. Jamie? How are you? How are you really? Is it going deeper and asking the question, can you tell me more about that? Like we did with um, Amanda this morning. And now ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to retire the golden rule, give it a standing ovation for its effort and gently tuck it back into the museum case of staple concepts that have shaped who we are today and introduce you to the new element of choice to live by. And that is the diamond rule. The diamond rule that I've curated to shift this mindset behind the golden rule states this, treat people the way they want to be treated. This slight shift in the mindset behind why the golden rule even existed may be small, but it's so mighty. Why? Because if everyone took the time to really dig into each person and find out what is unique to them and what their needs are and what their likes are, we can turn everything around. And I mean everything. Politics, religion, gender inequalities, gay, straight, you name it. We would not be so divided. So let's dive into the people that are in your close circle and though you may love them, perhaps you aren't really loving them in the way that they need to be loved to receive your love in return. Start with your best friend, the person you absolutely cannot live without in your life right now. What is their favorite thing in the world? Do you know what it is? If you don't, ask them, what's their favorite book? Have you read it? Why not? Perhaps you can learn something about your best friend who you've been obsessed with, but actually might not know deep enough at all. What about your parents? Do you know your mom's favorite memory of you? Do you know what her proudest moment of you is? Do you know what her biggest fear is? Do you know how to ease that fear? What about your dad? What keeps him up at night? What's one thing you didn't know about him that you should have known but failed to ask? What about your kids? Have you asked them what their most proudest moment is? What is their biggest fear? Have you asked them how you can be a better parent to them? Have you asked what they need to feel loved instead of you just bestowing the way you like to be loved in return? What about for each kid if you have more than one? Do you know individually all of their love languages? Do you really? And what about the person sitting next to you right now at our breakfast table that you know on a surface level, you've seen them a few times, but do you know them? 
really? And if we took five seconds a day to really understand each person and to remove our own insecurities, fears, and wants from the other people and the way we treat people, our world would look a little something like this. Diversity would be edified, inclusion would be prioritized, and acceptance would be dignified. If the diamond rule was implemented today, right now, it would celebrate our differences and we would be able to accept people for who they are without trying to edit, change, or belittle, even if we don't understand them. You don't have to like everyone. You don't have to be friends with everyone. You don't even need to really understand everyone. You won't be able to. It's impossible without full context and walking in their shoes. But it is our job to accept everyone as they are for who they are. This includes people you do not want to forgive. This includes people you do not understand that are different from you. And this includes people that you wish would be different, but you know never will be. People think that if someone is different from their mainstream or different from their religion or different from their politics, that they must be wrong. Because someone doesn't agree with you, they must be wrong. Someone once told me, Lauren, in order for you to be right, someone has to be wrong. And that slammed me in my core because there is no right and wrong. There's only differences and there's only acceptance. I choose acceptance. I choose authenticity. I choose diversity. I choose inclusion. And I choose to celebrate people for who they are and figure out how I can serve their individual needs without trying to understand, accept, or change anything about them. It's not my job to try and make someone understand my point of view. It's not my job to change someone's point of view so that they see mine. My job is to ask you a very, very simple question. How can I treat you the way you want to be treated? So my challenge for you today is to stop and ask yourself, am I treating each person I know the way they want to be treated? Or am I only treating them out of a view of assumption? Am I treating each person with the respect they deserve or the respect I think they deserve? Am I doing everything that I can to push my assumptions and individual biases aside so that I can really listen and get in touch with the person that is standing before me? Or am I pushing my beliefs and ways of doing something onto someone else? Coach Isaac, who, if you missed it, this morning he shared a very vulnerable and open, open space with you where he went through a time of psychological isolation. And his advice that was said so perfectly was to ask someone how they are doing, but stop your feet and really listen to the answer without trying to just rattle up a response. Be the person that asks the questions. Be the person that says, how can I support you? What does support look like for you? How can I treat you the way you want to be treated? Don't try to understand everyone, just accept them for who they are. Figure out what you can do to make their day. And I promise you, we will all be able to actually get treated the way we all want to be treated. Thank you all so much. I want to open up to the mods and invite everybody on stage to speak. I yes. I know that was amazing. So flash your mics if you want to chime in. Lauren, um, this is Glenn. Can I chime, chime in real fast? Oh, please. I know this is you have a big old. Yes, please, please, please. please. <laughs> I've been saving my voice all morning. Um, as you can hear, it's rough. Um, I did a, a podcast once 
uh, a couple years ago on this exact thing. Like, the golden rule is a lie. I did not say it as eloquently as you just did um, right there. And But the way that you just, just uh, strung that together, the diamond rule, and I hadn't thought about it the way that you said that applying that could literally solve all of the world's problems. You know, like I thought about it in my life and I kind of used that, but I hadn't thought about how impactfully it could be globally if everyone would buy into this idea that we need to treat people the way they need to be treated. So I just love what you put together. Thank you so much for reminding me of how powerful that rule is. And I will align with you to continue to promote the diamond rule as a mission for global change and global impact. Thank you, friend. Glenn, thank you. And I know you have a big investment in this topic too. So thank you for chiming in and sharing that. And I'm so glad you got to hear it. Hi, Mark. I see you flashing up there. Did you want to jump in? I did. I, I mean, my goodness, that was an amazing, like really to, to echo what Glenn said, that was remarkable. You know, what I was thinking the whole time is often they say that the difference in disappointment is, is the gap between your expectations and what really happens. And how often do we place our expectations on others, you know, of how they should have acted, how they should have responded, the things we take for granted, because we think this is the way that things are just supposed to happen. And so, so much of our disappointment in others comes down to the fact that we are assuming that they think and are and believe the things that come naturally to us. And if we were able to apply this diamond rule to communicate, to see, to love, to connect with people based off of who they are, not just who we are, we would also just start to get rid of all of the disappointment in our life because we wouldn't take so many things for granted and we wouldn't assume so many things. So I love this. I appreciate you sharing. I'm Mark and I'm complete. Thank you, Mark. You are so right. Let's eliminate disappointment. I love that. <clears throat> I love that so much. Um, I heard somebody else on mic. Who wanted to go next? This is Kimberly King. I'd like to go next, Lauren. Sue, how um, are you, Kimberly? Good morning. I'm great. Good morning, everyone. Well, I too appreciate this conversation, but I consider it less of a contradiction and more of a, of a paradox and a both and. Uh, first, what came to mind for me is I saw a, a little cartoon a few years ago. You know, they always say that Boy Scouts help little old ladies across the street. And it showed a little old lady and a Boy Scout standing at a street corner and he's pulling her and she's hitting him with her purse saying, but I don't want to cross the street. And so many times with our best intention, we drag somewhere, someone with us or try to bring them our kind of flowers and we don't stop and understand what they need. Our desire to help is not always helpful. So it's important for us to understand that and change perspectives. So, but I would also say that how I feel about the golden rule, and for those of us who study world religions and different philosophies, it is identified that across every faith, some aspect 
some iteration of what we call the golden rule is found in every sacred text and scripture. From, uh, I'll find a couple really quickly. Um, in Buddhism, it says, hurt not others in ways that you yourself would find hurtful. In Confucianism, it says, again, what I do not wish men to do to me, I also wish not to do to men. Uh, Judaism is in happiness and suffering, in joy and grief, we should regard, regard all creatures as we regard our own self. What is hateful to you, do not to your fellow man. This is the law. All the rest is commentary. And as I look through that, and I have found comfort and clarity in the continuity of the simplest essence of all, that in my heart, I know what is my humanity. And that and nothing less than that is what I should offer to all my brothers and sisters across humanity. So I might offer that we really embrace the lesson that you said today, Lauren, as really important perspective that is often left out, even with our best intentions. Sometimes we do not have the opportunity to probe and know, but if we check into our heart, we definitely know what not to do. And somewhere in us, we know the essence of what to do if we come from love. So when it comes to the specifics, I might offer that what we're cultivating here is gold and diamonds. Just something to reflect on. This is Kimberly King. I'm done speaking. Kimberly, that was amazing. And you said something that was really, really impactful, which is our desire to help isn't always helpful. And I love that cartoon you just shared. And what's interesting to me is you read all those scriptures from different contexts, but sharing the same thread, the same insights. And it's interesting because we all may want the same things, but it's the way that we give it. It has to be aligned with the receiver in order for them to feel received, heard, and seen, right? So I appreciate you so much for highlighting that because that's it. We may all want the same things. We want connection, acceptance, to feel loved, to feel seen, to feel heard, to feel relevant and important and successful. But sometimes walking an old lady across the street is not gonna help her feel all those things, right? So we got to figure out what does that old lady need? And I appreciate you so much for sharing that because that was a huge, huge asset to this conversation. So thank you. Who's up next? Hi, Dr. Connor. I see you flashing. You want to jump in? Yeah, thank you, Lauren. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, I think treat everyone well and individually. It goes back to who you are. Interested or are you interesting? It's more important, to, as we know, to be interested. And it has, as it has more worth than being just interesting. Like if you tr truly want to help a person, you'll pay it forward after you've been helped yourself because you'll have guilt. I think guilt will fester in you if you don't. 
I think we're here to grow as people, as humans. And in growth, we need to simply look outside ourselves because sometimes we don't always have the answer. And we ought to give value, as all you guys are giving on this platform all of the time, every day, and to help others as best we can within our remit, within our capabilities at every point in time. But not everybody does that. Not everybody really, truly helps. But I think there's a, a quieter and less kind of constrictive thought pattern there that when you truly look to help somebody, like, and it's pretty simple because we know that, like, say, this person helped me because they wanted something from me. You have a tremendous opportunity to reinvent your dealership today, right now, and to not take advantage of it would mean that everything that you just went through and are going through was in vain. How about instead we build something new like Kevin did in Virginia who was up 37% in April, or Mike in Wyoming who was up 90% in April, or Bob in Kentucky who broke a 60-year record this past January. All of these dealers join the 800% Club and together we continue to win. Listen, I've done this before. I've helped build a monster dealership from the inside out and now I want to build one with you. You and your team deserve it. So look, the time is now. It's time for you to protect your legacy. Head on over to 800EliteAutomotiveClub.com to learn more. You know, you'll be able to deduce that once your problem is out of the way and you've been helped. But you'll be able to kind of go, well, that person helped me because they just wanted to help me only with nothing, no payback. And half of that is bad, and the other half of that is good. One person there is coming from a deeper motivation of wanting for themselves, and the other person is coming from a motivation of just wanting to help. And I think that can be explained to everyone, including children, because children just love this bad versus good thing. They want to be very, they want to learn very simply, tell me what's bad, tell me what's good. He did bad, she did bad, you know, they'll tell tales from people. But they'll equally say, oh, look at, look at what this person did. Look what that person did. Reward them and so on. Because they want to know the line. And then it's easier to be able to kind of uh, communicate throughout as you grow and as people develop throughout the world. So, yeah, it's a great discussion, guys. I hope that helps somebody this morning. The Golden Dr. Connor. I think that was an amazing share because you brought up the word motivation. What is the motive? What is the motive of the person that's giving the help? And what is the motive of the person receiving the help? And I think that's really insightful because when you can identify what is the motive, it might ease the way you either receive or give, right? So for example, if that old lady that was walking across the street with the, with the kid were to say, oh, his motive was to be helpful. I understand that. That's fantastic. And I'm appreciative. She can probably walk across the street lightly and enjoy her time in the process. But if she weren't, if she doesn't understand the motive, it comes off as really negative, right? So it's our job as a receiver and as, and a giver to make sure that the motives are aligned and received well. So thank you for bringing up that really insightful piece of motive because it is huge. It's very impactful. Thank you for that share. Who else wants to share? Hi, Chris. I see you flashing your mic. Good morning, beautiful. Lauren, that was amazing. I just wanted to say this reminds me so much of the Five Love Languages book. And um, what I really love that you brought up, Lauren, was about asking like your children what they're most proud of about themselves and how powerful that is. It's okay, honey. One second. 
Um, and so I just thought that was wonderful. But I have a question for you, Lauren. When are you writing the book? When are you writing the diamond rule? Because we all need that in our homes and on our shelves. Oh my gosh. I will do it starting today. Thank you for asking. And I will absolutely do that. And I love you guys, Chris is super mom. She just had another baby and she makes it all look so easy. And I'm glad that resonated with you because you are a fantastic mom. And I think moms, we have the biggest opportunity. I'm including dads in this conversation. I apologize. All parents have the opportunity to plant really amazing seeds with our kids because they want to give so bad. They want to be helpful, right? You're, you're taking a bite and they want to feed you and you're feeding them and the whole thing. And we have an opportunity to, to really teach them about what it means to give, that it's a treat, right? And how you treat people. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.